Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Friday, baby. Yes, it is Friday. What's happening? One and all. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's the gun. It's his birthday week. Uh, Yes, yes. And he will be eating like a king. Uh, From what I'm hearing, my sources are telling me he he will be eating well this weekend. My family taking care of me this weekend. That's right. I am Rob Ellis. Happy to be hanging out with you. I see you, Philly Sports Hustle. Anthony, what's up, T Fortuna? What's up, Doc? What's up, Todd? What's up, Niners? What's up, Mike? What's up, Debo? What is up, one and all? Tyler, I said you already got you, but good to see everybody. Great to be hanging out with you on this Friday, and we appreciate you hanging out with us. We get a jam-packed show. T for Tuna. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Go ahead. T for Tuna. Our fishing trip canceled tomorrow, man, because of high seas. I'm heartbroken, but I'll heal up quickly when my wife makes me her famous fried fish fried shrimp tacos it's gonna be on baby all there the family go. gonna be here tomorrow's on it's on nice. beautiful man all right so Ooh. yeah derek's gonna eat like a king we know that uh and she's making my favorite cake oh. oh you are set man you are you're not gonna be able to move saturday night that's okay uh, it's all right yeah so uh yeah we're expecting some rain i guess late morning tomorrow that's probably what screwed you up but uh well the high seas to the sense they're talking about seven foot swell so yeah, you can't mess with that. No, you can't mess with that. So. No. Uh, and by the way, uh, to, just to add to your birthday fun this weekend, yes. it's going to be 77 in this area yes. on Sunday. Okay? So yes. there you go. You're welcome. And tomorrow, tomorrow's 74, but it's, they're saying 70% chance of rain. But yeah. that's okay, Rob, because since we got the patio deck redone and the canopy is fixed and work, you, we got the patio chairs out there. And if it cools down, we got the big heater out there. Oh, dude, it's the perfect weekend, baby. You're living. You're living. What's up, William? What's Woo! up, Keyshwat? All good. Hope you're doing well out there, folks. Uh, all right. So, Derek, the big news coming down yes. this morning and now into the afternoon time from yeah. our friend Keith Pompey, who is a frequent uh, contributor to the show, guest of the show. Uh, he puts out a story and a tweet uh, a little bit earlier 
probably about an hour-ish ago, that James Harden expected to reunite with the Rockets in free agency. There is mutual interest from both sides. Keith goes on to say that um, this is not just a ploy to get the Sixers money up. Uh, I'll, I trust Keith's reporting, but uh, I don't always trust what's being fed out there, so we shall see. Now, if this is the case, there's two ways I look at this, Derek. Can you tell me how, and, and folks want to okay. chime in in the chat. And, and, and right. John, by the way, I will get to how prom number one went uh, last night for, yes. uh, for Matty E. I will tell, give you that information in a second. Um, but, and prom number two is tonight. So we're, we're, we're playing a double header fellas. And Rob, <laughs> and Rob's, uh, he's chaperoning. He's on the dance floor dancing. <laughs> he's, he, he, he's doing, uh, what's that? What was that dance call back in the day? What was that? The Carlton, the, the dance call, the Carlton. Used oh, to the, do it's on not the, unusual. Yeah. What was that <laughs> the dance call? Uh, Tom Jones. <laughs> Rob's out there doing a Tom no. Jones. Trust me, I don't want to traumatize those young people, Derek, for the rest of their lives, okay? We don't need to do that to them. Yeah, you already right? scarred your daughter. Uh, the gritty scarred her maybe, yes. maybe permanently. Yes, that is true. Duck, that Man. is true, yes. Um, so, but I, I will get to that, I promise. Okay. So anyway, here's the way I look at the Harden thing. I think two two different ways. Number one, if he goes to Houston, I think they've do- dodged a – what's up, Andrew? I see you. I, they have dodged a dr- gigantic, gigantic mortar coming their way. Because while I, I still think, obviously, the guy led the league in assists and, and can still get you about 20 per game, it's not to say that he's washed or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But as time goes on, he's just going to get worse. And clearly, in the hugest of huge spots, like a game seven or a game six, you know, towards the end of that game in the fourth quarter, he comes up small and he has his entire career. So I look at it that way that you've you've dodged a bullet. Here's the problem, and this is a problem. You don't have a point guard on this team. Max no, is not a don't. point guard. No, you don't. Uh, you don't have a distributor right now, and you only have twelve million dollars, a mid-level exception in in money to play with because you're cap strapped. So this is where Daryl Morey has to really earn his money and show you how creative and how skilled he is as a GM. If Harden walks to be able to fill those voids. Now you can partly do it if you trade away Tobias Harris uh, for something that can help you or to free up some cap space. But this is not going to be easy, Derek. So while I'm glad and I want him out of here, I don't want him resigned for a long term. I also recognize what it looks like if he's gone. How much and, money How much money would it free up if, if Harden leaves? Only how, million. Only how much? 12. That's it. So what if he stays? How much, how much free space do they have? Uh, not much. They still have a mid-level okay. exception. Yeah, they so, still would have that. Yeah. So even if he leaves, they only have twelve million. In space. Yeah, the cap is is strange. It's not like it's a stupid cap in the yeah, NBA, man. Not like Harden walks. Hard. Let's for example, if Harden was making thirty-three, you don't all of a sudden free up thirty-three. Okay, it's just not the way the cap works in the okay. NBA. It's a weird cap. It's a soft cap. Here's the thing. I'm with you, James Harden. You ain't got to leave, but you got to get up out of here. Okay. Um, thank you for your services. Um, you gave us some exciting moments, but you failed in the biggest moments. And if what we're hearing is true, that basically he helped usher Doc Rivers out the door. And as I posed the question yesterday, does James Harden have more clout because of his relationship with Maury? Does he have more clout with the Sixers organization than the franchise MVP player, Joel Embiid? If he does, 
that's a bad, that's bad. It's yep. bad, bad juju right there. Yep. If he wants to go to, and of course we hear the rumors, he wants to play his kind of ball, wants to be him. Well, he can go back to Houston to play his kind of ball. It's a young team. He can go down and do what he wants to do. And, and, and the organization would just be happy to have a veteran leader like a James Harden. When has James Harden ever shown up big in the playoffs, in a series, in a playoff series? I can't think of any time. Can you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let him go. The only problem is if you let James Harden go, if you do somehow, some way trade Tobias, I hate to say it, but this team is much worse off, which means you ain't winning 54 games next year. Mm-hmm. You you might struggle to get in a play-in game next year. You, you might That might be your only road to the playoffs is a play-in game. But that's okay. As long as people understand next year is going to be like a dark cloud over this organization, you're, you're not going to be one of the top three teams in the East. With the five teams that I mentioned yesterday, the three are solid, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, and the Knicks and Cleveland are up and coming. So you're going to take some lumps. Mm-hmm. But if I have to take my lumps compared to keeping James Harden here, then lump me up. I'll take the lumps every time. <laughs> every time I'll take the lumps. <laughs> lump me up. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, let me throw one more fire, uh, one more, one more log on the fire here for you. Okay. Uh, there's a writer, Stefan Bundy. Stefan Al, Bundy. Al Bundy. What? It's S T E F A N Bondy. B O N. Not Bundy. Bondy. B O N D Y. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he covers the Knicks for the New York Daily News. Okay. And in response to, he quote tweeted Keith Pompey's tweet to the link of his story about what we just discussed. And it's about an hour ago as well. And said, yep. been told since midseason that Joel Embiid is the guy to watch for the Knicks and Philly's playoff flame out only intensified that belief. What? That's a court. Again, this is just what these guys are, are right. throwing out there. Now, I, 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 we know Keith. I trust Keith. There's no question. But, but I'm just telling you what Stefan Bundy's throwing out. Bundy's throwing out there. Now, a couple things. I, I am extremely frustrated with Embiid. Um, I worry that he's never mm-hmm. going to be able to step up big in a big game as well. The sort of the same stuff we're talking about with Harden, I worry about with Embiid. Can put up monster numbers, can look dominant at times, but when it, it is it is like DEFCON 5 kind of moment, he cradles a little bit, okay? Yeah, yeah. You know, that said, if, you're, if, if Harden walks and you're moving Embiid, you know, be prepared to be a lottery team again. Be prepared yep. to be among the worst teams yep. in the N- NBA. Uh, be prepared to almost go back to the process era. And now ask yourself if you're willing to take it that far. You know, with the with the Harden thing, you ultimately, it's in his hands. He decides that. He can opt out and he can go right. sign with Houston. That's his right. right. And Bede would be you deciding that, you being the Sixers, deciding that you want to trade him and move on from him. Um, that's That's a whole nother matter. That's a whole other extreme if that's where you're headed with this thing. I don't think the Sixers would do that. I personally do not. I, I, I don't either. First of all, I'm not trading him in the East. Right. Where yeah, gonna you're going to give him to a team already yeah. in your division that, that, yeah. that has shown promise this yeah. past year? I'm, I'm, I'm not trading him to the East unless you give me a whole bunch of players back and draft picks. I'm not trading him in the East, first of all. Second of all, Rob, um, I've been thinking about this ever since the – uh, Sixers went out with a whimper this past Sunday. 
and, and everybody's talking about Embiid has to take his game to the next level. I don't know if there is a next level for Embiid. I think he's hit his peak mm-hmm. at this stage of his career. Mm-hmm. I honestly do. Yep. And that's not a knock against Embiid. It's that I think Embiid is what he is. I think what we saw of Embiid the last two seasons, because we said the same thing last year, Embiid has to take his game to another level. Well, he took it to an MVP level, but when it came to the playoffs, he wasn't consistently that guy. Hasn't been. I know. You, if you trade him, you're right. Then it, what is it? What is it, what is the next motto called? Not the process. Wait and see. Yeah. What's what's the next motto? But, but that's the other thing, Derek. Like I'm I'm really conflicted on this one with Embiid. And again, this is just this guy speculating. But I'm really conflicted on this one because, on one hand, I, I don't want to watch awful basketball. But on the other hand, if I'm really being honest with myself, yeah. Do I feel like this team with Embiid is going to win a title? And if I'm if I'm sitting here right now on May nineteenth with you, and, I, and I'm keeping right, it real with right, you, which I right, always do, right? No, I don't. Mm. I don't think so. I think there's a there's he doesn't have that DNA for whatever reason. No. Um, is that a guarantee? No, but it's just you, I'm giving you my gut right now. So if I feel that way, ultimately, why not rip the bandaid off and deal with the consequences? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, admittedly, I'm conflicted on the on the Embiid piece of it. I'm not on Harden. Like goodbye, see ya. Bye bye. Yes. Um. You know, Rob, how many times do we see in sports a team? Prime example: Utah Jazz were a good team, solid team, but they realized they went as far as they could with that nucleus, and what did they do? They gutted the team. Right. Okay. Uh, the Sixers, three years in a row, bowing out in the second round. Are they sitting behind closed doors saying, we've gone as far as we can go with this this formula that we've tried to adapt to? If that is the case, Harden, definitely gone. And they would have to consider trying to move Embiid to get some better complementary pieces, better array of shooters, maybe better array of defenders, um, and obviously get some more draft picks to try to build this thing the right way again. Would it work? Don't know. You could have another 10 years of frustration with this organization. But if you've three years in a row, you can't go any further, no matter what you've tried with what you have, it might be time to implode it. It it really is. And, you know, you cross your fingers and hope that it'll get better. Look at how many years we went through the process. Okay. Look at how many high draft picks they have. How many of those draft picks are still here? Other than Embiid? Noel, Falk. All gone. Uh, Okafor, all gone. gone. Okafor, all gone. Ben Simmons, gone. Simmons, all gone. Yep. So it doesn't necessarily mean a new process or the wait-and-see mentality will work, but it may be at that point where they got to think about imploding this thing. Yeah, I I know. And, and, you know, and look, I should say that the other other component to this is Mm -hmm. that Maury, you know, starts pulling rabbits out of his hat and – Make some unbelievable moves, and all of a sudden the Sixers they keep Embiid, but he finds a you know a real point guard, <clears throat> and he finds some other diamond in the rough, <clears throat> and this team all of a sudden you know is back in contention. Mm. Do I think that's going to happen? I don't, but it's possible. You know, you could you could move Tobias Harris, get some assets back, and guys who can play, or maybe you get a draft pick out of it, and all of a sudden that guy turns into something. And and that's how you maybe change this thing. Maybe that's how you change your fortunes. You stay patient with Embiid, et cetera. 
Um, I don't, I think that's less likely, but that's possible. I, I, I feel like if you strap yourself to, to, to Harden for another three, four years at 40 million per year, I think you're absolutely screwed. And th- mm-hmm. like the, the, the Rockets are doing you a big giant favor. That's what they're doing ultimately. Uh, some people will say, well, why can't this, the Sixers follow a similar suit to Miami? Miami has one superstar and a bunch of supporting players. Seven players, can't emphasize that enough. Seven players were not drafted in the NBA, and they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're up one nothing on Boston, the perennial favorites to win it all. First of all, the Sixers don't have an Eric Spolstra behind the bench. I think Eric Spolstra is one of the top two or three coaches in the NBA, even though he doesn't have a tie, doesn't even if he doesn't win the title this year, yep. he's one of the top two or three coaches. I think he's I number one, but I agree I, with you. I, 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 you know what? I, I might agree with you there. Yep. I don't. The Sixers don't have an Eric Spolstra. Number one, number two doesn't necessarily mean if the Sixers follow that suit, they'll have the same success Miami has because I don't think Joel Embiid is that dog like a Jimmy Butler. You know, I think MB is a solid player. I think he's the best big man. Let's face it, Rob, the traditional big man as we know it in the middle is almost obsolete in today's game. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. Think about it's, it. It's a wing league. It's, it's a, a wing, wing league. league. Yes. Yep. So if you can find another seven foot wing guy that can throw up threes, you know, you may, you maybe got to look at that. But yeah, you know, whatever you do, if, if, if MB and Harden are both gone, whatever you do, you're spinning a roulette wheel. And you don't know if it's going to come up in your favor. And fans are going to be frustrated. They're going to be screaming bloody murder. But it is what it is because will you be any less frustrated than you are right now with what has happened over the last three years? No. Well, I, I think the other thing, Derek, to point out here is like you're dealing from a really difficult spot. Yeah, I mean, Sixers fans, I, I think, understand it. But if you don't, you need to. You, you know, you have no draft picks. You have very limited cap space, as we talked about, ability to make a move, uh, you know, right now. Um, and you have a team that hasn't been even even built to what it is right now. You haven't been able to get out of the second round anyway. Like, right. This is not a good situation. Right. This is not, you know, the Eagles two years ago had all kinds of cap space and, and maneuverability and, and, and all this other stuff. And they were how went out and was aggressive and was able to, to build that into a Super Bowl team. Mm. this is going to be a really hard job for Daryl Morey. And it's not usually the yeah. kind of thing that he does. I mean, he, he he's one who usually just kind of adds. He's an adder, uh, if you will. Um, yeah. Our, our producer, Tone DeShield, says, the Heat have Pat Riley. We have Elton Brand and Daryl Harden Morey. Yeah. <laughs> but but I will say this, though. The, the one thing I – Harden might just have his, made, his mind made up and he wants to go back to Houston. That's where he has a home. His mother lives there. He's got business ventures there. They, he treated like a king in that town. He may just have his mind made up. But if this was Maury saying to Harden and his people, hey, look, I, I got to draw a line somewhere, man. You know, I'm not, we're not going to give you four years, 210 million, whatever he's looking for. No, no. I, I, that's where I'll give him props that he didn't lo- like his fondness and his love for, for Harden didn't blind him enough where he was going to hamstring this organization forever. I'll give him that much at least. Well, it ain't over yet. I mean, we, we heard the rumors True. and I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't doubt Keith Pompey one bit. If he puts it out there, if he puts his name attached to it out there, there's gotta be some truth to it. But if somehow, some way they give this dude a max contract, this fan base is going to go nuts. Yeah. Because that's the last thing you need because you're still, ha- you're still hamstrung, you know, no matter how you look at it. 
Mm-hmm. You're still coming back with the same nucleus that can't get past the second round. It do, and, it, and, and I'm telling you now, I'm 99% sure they won't get any further than they've gotten the last three years with that. And yeah. fans don't want that anymore. Fans are tired of that. It's nice to get to the playoffs, but they want more. When you get to the playoffs, when you win, when you learn how to win, you take that next step, which is to get to the playoffs. When you get beat early in the playoffs, you learn from that, you move to the next levels, you keep moving up. This team has been stagnant for three years now. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, the sell for from the Sixers to the fans is without saying it, implying that it was Doc Rivers. And and I'm not, again, everybody knows where I'm at with Doc, but this right. wasn't just a Doc Rivers problem. No. Far from it. No, no. You know, this is this is coming up small with Brett Brown as the coach in the second round. This is coming up small with Doc Rivers as the coach in the second round. So you've had different coaches in here who haven't been able to, to unlock whatever this is here with, with, with Embiid and then the other parts around Embiid, plain and simple. Rob, I tell you, diehard Sixer fans are in a world of hurt right now. Yeah. They're still stinging from last Sunday. Now they're already started to, to pick up on all these rumors that are going on and, and they're voicing their opinions, and rightfully so. You know, we keep hearing people, we see it in the chat now, dump Embiid, do this, dump it. Okay, be careful what you ask for. Because mm-hmm. you could have another five, ten years of misery if you no go doubt. that route. Yep. You know, um, I'm I, I, and I'm on the fence. I'm not saying getting rid of Embiid is a bad thing, and I'm not saying keeping Embiid is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you need to get more dogs around Embiid to make him better. Embiid can only do so much. The last couple of years, I'm convinced that Embiid game his game caps at a certain point yeah and you need some more dogs i mean look at the four teams that are still playing right now it's not about one player look at what jamal murray did in that fourth quarter last oh. night it, it, was, it, it looked like tatum in game six he, he took over he just went crazy yeah looked like tatum in game seven yep both yeah he took he just he, took over he was awesome jamal murray I mean, you, you look at what look at what the Lakers have. You look at what Miami has. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is the star, but you got dudes picking up the slack all over the place. No doubt, Sixers don't have that. They don't have no dogs, man. They got too many puppies on this team. Mm-hmm. You need to go out and get yourself some pit bulls, some Rottweilers, man. Yeah, they don't have that on this team. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Well, we'll talk to uh, to Rich Hoffman uh, coming up in, in in a few minutes, and then at one thirty, Scott Lauber, as I mentioned from the Inquirer, we'll talk some Phillies. But you mentioned it, Gunner. So last night, Nuggets go up two zero in the Western Conference uh, Finals. Um, you know, it was a game where Lakers jumped early, jumped on them early, and then the Nuggets kind of chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And I, here's where I, I really give Denver credit, and this is a lot of this is this props to Jamal Murray, but you know. Jokic, and granted, he was a facilitator, but he didn't score a ton last night. He didn't score in the fourth quarter, did he? No, he had a couple free throws, I think. But he he was he was really in terms of scoring the basket, like field goals, a non-factor. He was setting screens and, and finding guys. But it just shows you, like they they don't need him to have to necessarily get you thirty-five, forty to no. win. They no. can win in a, in a bunch of different ways. Now, there, there's no question about it. I mean, you 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 look at the guys that stepped up for this team last night, you know, Murray finished with 37. He just took over the fourth quarter period, but you got guys like Porter who stepped up. Um, Caldwell steps up. You get Brown who comes off the bench and steps up. Yeah. They got a team full of guys that know their roles, 
you know, and, and when they come in, they pick up the slack. Yep. You know, and I, I just don't understand how this Sixers team, dude, we were hoodwinked. We yes. were bamboozled. Yep. We, 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 pl- we applauded the Sixers team for the depth that they had, the so-called rotation they had, Melton, you know, Niang started to step up late in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened? Where'd he go? Yeah. Where'd he go, man? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he, you know, the Lakers, they got a dude named Austin Reeves. He, he just kid's balling. He's been awesome for them. He's, yeah. ball- I mean, but that's, that's finding it. That's what I'm talking about, Derek. Austin Reeves. Great. Awesome job by you. Perfect example of finding a diamond in the rough yes. and developing this guy into a legit starter on your team. The Sixers need to, to figure that out. If you're this, this limited cap wise, you need to figure it out, man. He's got to figure it out. The, the, the people behind the closed doors for the 76ers need to sit down and take a long, hard look at themselves and have a, and have that, what they call come to Jesus meeting amongst mm-hmm. themselves. What are we doing wrong? What have we missed here? Why is our formula so flawed compared to other teams? Look at the heat. Look at the heat, dude. That's a prime example of a team, of an organization that shows you we don't have the best, we don't need the best players. We just need one great player and guys that complement each other. I can't emphasize enough, you're down Hero and Oladipo, and you're one. You're up 1-0 in the conference finals. You're still standing because of the supporting role players that Pat Riley brought in here. Yeah. You look at a Boston team, how deep and versatile that Boston team is. Look at how deep and versatile Denver is. The Lakers are. Lakers make that trade before the deadline. Mm-hmm. People thought this team's going nowhere. All of a sudden, the light, the light switch went on last 11 games of the season. They back into, they back into the playoffs. They're in the Western Conference Finals. Well, I, I, let me just give you the, the Heat starting lineup here. Besides Butler, who we know is their, their guy. And Bam Adebayo, Adebayo, who was a you know a high pick and, and turned out to be a very nice player. It's Kevin Love who was on the scrap heap, yep. who was bought out. Yep. Yep. It is Gabe Vincent. Yep. It is Max Struess. Okay, yep. they're the other three starters. You know, you're bringing Caleb Martin in the rotation off the bench. Cody Zeller, Kyle Lowry, who everybody kind of written off. They just he's toast. The guy's cooked. All those guys. That that that's that's how you won game one. That's the lineup and the bench and and Duncan Robinson thrown in there a little bit. That's the lineup mm-hmm. and the bench that you're winning with. I mean, that is just that that is making guys better with a culture there and being really well coached. Plain and simple. There's no question about it. From top to bottom, that organization is on the same page, um, and it shows in the product they put on the court. Um. It's hard to emulate what they've done, you know. Not I don't know if any any other organization in the league can do what Miami has done from top to bottom in terms of putting together a team and not having an abundance of overly paid high priced players. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it works for one. We, you know, we talk about New England. You know, for 15 years, New England was a dominant entity in the AFC East, and nobody seemingly could could duplicate how they went about their business. They didn't care about first round draft picks. They, they went out and got proven players. They'd give up a first-round draft pick in a minute and bring in a Pro Bowl player from another team. And the machine kept rolling, you know. Um, I, I don't I – don't, I, I, this is going to be one of the most intriguing summers for the 76ers that we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I because there's so much 
there's so much gray area to this team right now in terms of who's going to be that coach, who's going to be on the roster. Is for that matter, we know, we we know it's a rumor right now. Will Embiid be back? Mm-hmm. We don't know the conversations Embiid's having with front office behind closed doors. I know. Well, well yeah. listen. Let's dig into all of this with Rich Hoffman Jr. He's going to be joining yeah. us when we come back. Covers the Sixers for the Athletic. We'll we'll run all this stuff by him. What happened? Where do they go from here? What's most likely? Who he thinks the coach is going to be? They're interviewing Nick Nurse uh, next week. We'll get into all that with Rich. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now, hey, perfect time, right? Lunchtime, Friday, maybe you're at work, and once you get done, you, you, you'll be ready to eat. Uh, guess what? Bravo Pizza of Havertown is your place, and they are sponsors of the show. They're friends of the station now. I've been going there since I was a kid. I give it the, the full stamp of approval. Uh, they've been family-owned since 1985. Alex and the crew, they're open seven days a week. All the food is fresh. I was in there last night. I had the, had the prom went up there, went in there and picked up a couple of pizzas for everybody who was coming over for the pictures and all that good stuff. And it hit the spot. I can promise you that they offer 20 different styles of pizza daily. They have slices to go. You can also call up and do the specialized pizza your way. You name it, they'll make it, but it's not just pizza, whatever you're in the mood for pasta, sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads, they're also community, uh, committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. In fact, they raised money for the Eagles Autism Challenge last week. That tells you all you need to know about them. Uh, you could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown on Instagram or Facebook for daily specials and promotions. The address is 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. You're hanging with us. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. He's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis, uh, hanging out on this Friday. All right, we will continue the Sixers talk as we are joined right now by the man who covers them for the athletic. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rich underscore Hoffman. That would be Rich Hoffman. Rich, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? I'm good, good man. Rich. Good to it's see been you. A pretty eventful, uh, you know, a couple days, including today. Um, Keith Pompey, one of your colleagues, throws out the, the the story that, you know, mutually uh, there is interest in James Harden going back to the Rockets. This is not leverage, uh, you know, according to Keith, uh, for the Sixers to get their deal up. What are you hearing, Rich? What do you believe? What is real? What isn't? What is a smokescreen? How do we sift through this stuff? I think the hard thing about this, Rob, is that James Harden is not really – leaked exactly what he wants to do um he has been the hardest person to read in all of this i know that houston all season has thought and and frankly nba people have thought all year that he's going to go back to houston sixers think they're getting him back you know they they've said all year that they're gonna they're gonna give him a lot of money and and that's the plan and daryl moore even said it publicly uh, a couple of days ago that that's scenario a is, is is how he described it so um i, I think the money matters here more than it has in the past. Like James Harden, the last two times he has left teams, he's basically quit on them. You know, like he <laughs> he, he basically quit on them and then just moved on to Including another team. Including the team that, that seems to want him back, Rich. Like, what yeah. is that? They're okay with the way that he went out there, which was, you know, awful, frankly. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it's hard to understand why. I mean, I, I guess from his standpoint, like if he really likes living there, and his family is there like, okay, more power to you, I guess. Um, from a basketball standpoint, it doesn't seem to make sense for either him or them. Like they're not even close to contending. You know, he says after the season's over, I want to compete, all those things. And you have the Sixers who, you know, I'm not sure automatically should be giving him a contract anyway, yep. uh, you know, in terms of long-term planning. But they're at least the type of team that would give him a contract, right? You're trying to win right now. 
maybe you give them a long-term contract first year, first two years are okay. Last two, that's the price of doing business with players just old and kind of trying to be a win now team, but Houston is not in that uh, scenario. So, you know, we'll see guys. I mean, I, I do think the money matters more this time, I guess is the point I was trying to make. Like he talked a lot about the sacrifice he made this year. And I think as the Sixers lost their grip on that series and after it was over, it became more apparent that he was like, all right, I did all of these things where I did take less money. And to his credit, he did uh, for one season. He, I guess he ceded some control of the offense. You know, I, I don't know exactly what that means. Like he had the ball in his hands the entire game, mm-hmm. I guess, because he led the league in assists to Joel. That is not the, uh, I believe Chris Haynes called it basketball freedom that he is looking for. Uh, so, you know, I, I just, I, I guess this is like a long winded way of saying, I thought what he did this year, for the most part, I was pretty high on. Like, I I thought he was like a third-team All-NBA level player. He played his role really well. But just listening to him talk in the past couple of weeks, you wonder, I, I'm not sure if he's feeling this going forward. If if he felt this was completely worth it, is that a leverage play? Maybe. Because, look, this is different. He straight up quit on the last two teams. This is different. He played – he didn't play well in the last two games, but I thought he played hard for the Sixers for him uh, the entire time. So, so we'll see. I, I definitely think he wants the four years and, and that's going to be a big part of it. And the, I guess the, the thing that I would like to know is what type of offer is Houston going to give him? I think the Sixers would offer him a decent amount of money here. Uh, I think it will come down to money a little bit. I, I agree with you. I believe money is, is his ulterior motive only because of his age. And this is probably the last big contract he's ever going to get, which is understandable uh, to a certain degree. But, James Harden had two great games in his Boston series, the game one and game four. But for the most part, when you look at him shooting less than 22% in the other games, the Sixers lost James Harden is historically has come up small ball in playoff scenarios. Now I want to get your expert opinion. What's the advantage of bringing James Harden back at this point? If this team has kept in terms of, with the nucleus of Harden and Embiid, they still can't get past the second round, three years in a row now. So what's the advantage of bringing him back other than maybe to put people in the seats? The the advantage is, and look, it, it's a hard sell. I think this yeah. is why Daryl Morey's offseason, I, I don't think any of these answers are going to be satisfactory to the fan yep. base, are going to make you feel good. Like, I, I'm just going to say right away. Um, and frankly, because of that, I don't exactly know what the right answer is. But yeah. the argument for bringing Harden back is okay, you know, they had the ball up to with four minutes and 30 seconds left mm-hmm. about the about to knock those guys out in game six. Uh, they did come pretty close. Unfortunately, like it's harder to say we came close because they, they did legitimately come close, but then they got their butts kicked in the game that matters. So it's it's like that's what makes it a, a tough sell. But that's that's the sell that if James Harden leaves, you know, they're only gonna have like ten million dollars in cap space around, yeah. around that. So Ugh. You're not going to be able to replace him now. There might be a benefit in future years, like they they have some money coming off the books next year. But then we get into okay, like what, what's the point of having Joel Embiid here if you're not going to go all in every single year? So, guys, there are you know there are right answers. There there are no right answers here. Like I think you make you make your educated guess and but but I also understand like the other side of it too, where it's like, do you want to give James Harden a four year contract because? Again, I was pretty high on what he did because he gave you the two games where he played great. That was yeah. that was incredible. And the, the nature of his game is so high variance where he's just terrific or he's terrible and there's really no in-between. 
and you almost got through what I thought would have been maybe the hardest series because he gave you the two great games. Uh, but moving forward, I don't think he's given you the two great games again, right? I think, mm. I think <laughs> as a 34-year-old, he's going to probably trend more towards the bad games. Um, he's probably not going to reach those highs. But the the reason to resign him is you will be a better team next year. Like you, mm. now, does that mean you're a championship team? It's hard to make that case after what we just saw, but yeah, that's yeah. the case. Rich, specific to to Maury, um, you know, look, he he's he's never shied away from talking about his fondness for Harden. I guess my question for you would be, um, do you believe may, maybe the, the the steam and whether this is real or not, the steam that's picked up on the Houston side of this thing is because Maury said to them. Hey, look, guys, uh, I, I want James back too, but I can't go four years, 200 and I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever it turns out to be, 220 million. Do you think that's kind of what it was that, that sort of spurred this? Um, or do, do you think we're just in the early stages and there's going to be a lot of this kind of stuff? I think there's going to be a lot of it. it it's mm-hmm. silly season, Rob, right? And there's a, yeah, things are leaked and, and narratives form for different reasons. Um, like, look, I, I think there's a chance he just goes back. Like, there, there's a chance he just wants to, but, uh, I definitely think the money matters and I would understand that even though Daryl Morey is really fond of James Harden, like he's somebody who's negotiated hard on contracts in the past. Like, yeah, yeah. He would hand out a full max to a 26 year old James Harden and understand that. But Daryl Morey's a smart guy. He knows how old James Harden is as much uh, as he likes him. And, you know, after James Harden took the pay cut this year, he he clearly wants, I think that one let a uh, big last contract. So uh, we will see how that goes, but I, I certainly think this is different from his past scenarios because I think the money matters here. I, I do, and mm-hmm. and I'm not even blaming James Harden on that. Like that's that's fine. This is probably his last chance to uh, to cash in, but it, but it's different. The, the last two times he just wanted out of those places. Like he just was like, I, I'm sick of playing here. I want to go there, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure it's quite that straightforward that this time. That might be the case at the end of it where okay, look, the, the leaks have been Houston, and that is where he ends up next year. But but I, I think the, the scenario, the team he played for, how he played this season, it, it's just a little bit different of a scenario than it has been in the past. Hey, hey, Rich, I brought this up to Rob a short while ago. The traditional big man in the NBA, as we once knew it, doesn't exist anymore. When you look at how the bigs play the game now, we know Joel is considered the most dominant big man in the game, but most other centers don't play the game the way he plays it. Is there any value at this point of moving a James? I'm sorry, um, moving moving Embiid and basically rebuilding this thing at this point. It, it's a good question, Derek, and it's it's a fair one. I think considering his playoff history, you know, it's yeah. like it, what a what a roller coaster of emotions for him. You know, he gets the MVP yeah. at the start of that series. And he played really good defense for a lot of it, but that game seven is a black mark on the rest of his career. I I completely understand yeah. the the sour taste that left left in people's mouths because let's be real, guys. Like he has not had a good playoff career, and for a lot of it, he's been the bystander. He's been the guy, the second uh, guy on the side where people, as the Sixers are, are ruining their seasons and they're they're flaming out of the playoffs. There's always the the tire fire to the side of him, and and rightfully so. Like there's. You know, there's Ben Simmons two years ago. There's Hart. Harden was a disaster in that Heat series last year. So you, you can always kind of point to one thing or another thing. Uh, this one was his fault. Like, this was bad. Like, that was – and and when you combine that with the lack of success he's had, I think it's fair to wonder, like you mentioned, like a big man, can he play 
at that elite level in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I think they are going to keep him until he asks out, though. So this is more of a thought exercise. But the other reason I think they're going to keep him is that they don't own their picks, Derek. Like, I think part of the reason you trade a star and reboot, like, it, it could make some sense. You'd be like, all right, well, we've ran out of, of steam. And you could get – I think you could get an incredible haul of picks from somebody else. Picks, players, whatever. Like, you guys have seen the trades recently. Like, Look at Gobert. Gobert. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was going to say KD, but Gobert is, like, not even close to as good as Joe. No, and, no. And, you know, so the, the teams are giving up their entire drafts for five – six years which is good because let's be real if you trade joel to another team you're banking on the picks like three years down the line because mm-hmm. those teams aren't gonna be bad for a while probably yeah. unless there's some injury that happens because you were trading them the mvp of the league there's a reason the sixers win 50 games every year mm-hmm. it's him uh so that's part of it but the other the, the, the problem is the sixers they owe this they owe these two lightly protected picks and you know if it was just one of them like there, there's one to Brooklyn from the Simmons trade. I believe it's in 2027. That's like top eight protected that one. It's like, okay, like I think you could work around that. That wouldn't be a huge obstacle, but they have a pick two years from now in 2025 where if it, I believe if it doesn't fall in the top five, it goes to Oklahoma city. And mm-hmm. that's from the Al Horford, Danny green trade. And it's just like that. I guess that's my issue is that if you try and rebuild, part of it is you get all the picks, you get, you know, the, the assets, you replenish the cupboard, all of those things. But your best asset often is your own pick and, and getting in the lottery and trying to pick at the top of the draft. And it, it's it's complicated. I, I, I would guess that Daryl and, and the front office is looking at that. And I, I think they want Joel to stay for as long as possible, but especially for the next two years, because mm-hmm. I just think it's untenable to tank. In, in mm-hmm. Also, this next draft is uh, is not considered to be a very good one either. Okay. There's no way there's no Wemby in this next draft. So. I think I think Joe is staying around as long as he does not make a big stink and becomes a an issue here. So, Rich, the 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 earlier in the week shoot a drop was Doc Rivers. I, I don't think anybody was surprised, especially you know Harden gives him the the, the tepid. You know our relationship is okay. Uh, in your estimation, how much of this was on him versus players disappearing, going into witness protection in a game seven? Like like should he have been fired, or was is this a classic host? case of we can't fire the players i think it was a classic case of we can't fire the players but the the one thing i I will say is i don't think this series was really doc's fault and as i I don't know i've talked to you guys long enough i i am as much as i enjoy the x's and o's and the coaching part like i've talked to enough people around the league daryl said it the other day at his press conference i i think the x's and o's element of this gets overrated like it's it's do the players like you do they play hard for you is such a big part of this uh that said, I do think it was time for him to go. Like, I just think mm-hmm. it's it's mainly a results-based business here. Like, you get you get three chances with Embiid at its best. You don't make it past the second round at all. I, I get it. Time to move on, right? Like, you, three shots and out. Uh, and that's kind of how I look at it. That said, it is ironic, and it is kind of why I think the coaching discourse is kind of screwed up here. I thought he was pretty good in that series, right? They won the first game without Embiid. They, they did some good things with the, with the pick and roll. They, they could not solve the the double big lineup at the end. That was the one thing Doc couldn't solve. I don't know if he really had the personnel to solve it. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that was possible. And it's like you said, the players, I, I certainly don't hold that game seven against him. Like at some point, 
Joel Embiid and James Harden have to show up in the biggest game of their lives. Like, come on, what, what are you doing? Not, not the biggest game of James' life, but probably the biggest game of Joe's life, honestly. And to not give the, the effort, he just wasn't there, that's not on Doc Rivers. And so you have a situation where you have Joel Embiid after the game saying, I think he should be back. And you have Daryl saying he was shocked that he was fired. Well, it's like, dude, that's a little bit on you, right? You need to play better in the biggest games, and that's a way – uh, to keep him around. So I guess that's like a long way of saying, I don't really think this series was his fault. I think he did a pretty good job. Part of the reason they exceeded expectations was I, I thought he did a pretty good job, especially in the games they won, but it's time to go. I think, I think is the way I did it. And you know, it's, I, I don't see the, I don't really see the risk in bringing in a new voice is, is the way I would put it. But, but ultimately it's really just a results based business guys. I thought doc did, did fine. Like he got the guys to play pretty hard for him. Just didn't work out. And you need to produce at some point. Rich, I'm going to ask you this because uh, I asked Rob this also, and I was thinking about this as we traveled down the rumor mill since that the disastrous game seven. So after game seven, we hear Harden say his relationship with doc is it's okay. That's not an ador- a ringing endorsement. Number one, no. number two, we, we hear rumors that possibly Harden helped get Doc fired. And so I'll ask you this. I want to hear your perspective. Is it possible? And I understand the relationship between Morey and Harden. Is it possible that Harden had more clout with his organization than the franchise MVP player? Is it possible? Well, I mean, part of it would be, it, I think it is possible, but part of it is he has more leverage if they really want him back, right? Joel Embiid wow. be signed for a long time here, right? And James Harden is not. And it's like we said earlier, Gunnar, like they don't have a, a chance to replace him. So yeah. is there a situation in which, and, and I use this word, I believe, when, when Brian Colangelo got hired, when Jerry Colangelo said, okay, I'm going to step away and guess who the new guy is? Oh, it's my son. Uh, optics is, is the word I would use. And the optics were really bad in that situation. And if there is a situation where in a couple months, James Harden is back here on a big deal, and Mike D'Antoni is that coach. And Mike D'Antoni is somebody who I certainly deeply respect is like a complete visionary in terms of, of what he has done for basketball. There are a lot of people who have won titles who have not had one-tenth of the imprint on the way basketball is played now than Mike D'Antoni. But, man, the optics would be pretty rough if, if that is what happens. All that said, that, uh, that James Harden looking for basketball freedom gets the guy who was in Houston – let him play uh, James ball is one way to put it where he had the, the high usage rate and could shoot whenever he wanted. I, I think that would, would be tough. So I, I guess we'll see how it goes, but Gunnar, the other thing is too, I, I've been yeah. thinking about this is you have Joel Embiid mad that doc rivers got fired, but there's also, I think a legit chance James Harden walk. So it's kind of like, yes. it's almost like the worst of both worlds here where you know, maybe look, and I think Joe will get over it. Like, I, I think Joe liked Doc because he put him at the elbow and he ran the offense through him. Like, Joel, yeah. in the three seasons under Doc, he came in second in MVP all those years. Those were his best years. Now, I think he deserves the lion's share of the credit, he himself, but as Doc was certainly not getting in his way to, uh, to accomplish those goals. So that, that's kind of the way I see it. Do, do you find it strange, Rich? And, and I'm not saying you have to get his blessing on everything, but. You know, he also Maury the other day said, "Hey, we're you know ultimately we're we're not looking for players, you know, input here." I, I am I'm paraphrasing it uh, with a coach. So you know, he's already he's he's still holding grudges about Jimmy Butler. He's ticked off that Doc gets canned. He may not be consulted if if Dan Tony comes in where it's a clear hardened play. 
at what point does does Joel say, look, man, I know I've had a love affair with the fans, but I'm I'm ready to say bye bye too. Yeah, I mean, I think if those things happen, then then you have to wonder. And but the, but the other issue, Rob, is that he could potentially say that if Harden leaves, because then you yeah. look around and you say, okay, like I really want to win a title, and I have, you know, Tyrese Maxey's good. He's yeah, good. Like we Tobias could be, Harris, maybe. Who knows? You know, and and maybe if else. if I stick around, we could pivot next year, and you know, we'll have a bunch of cap space. Cap space, not what it used to be, though. You know, the star players get get moved by a trade now for the most part. Um, people don't wait until free agency. He could look around and be like, there's not a lot here. You know, I, I could, mm-hmm. you know, let's say they, they were able to sign a, another decent guard. Like maybe they were able to sign a DeAnthony Melton type with whatever money that uh, they got rid of with Harden. Maybe they they get a couple picks from Houston for a sign and trade of some sort. I don't know why Houston would do that. They have the cap space to sign him outright. But I think Joe would look around and be like, okay, I could be really good again. Maybe we're like a five seed or something like that. Six seed, something like that. Maybe, maybe we can win a series. Like, but I think you're running into, okay, like Harden won us two games in a playoff series. Maxi was up and down as well. Is, is he ready to be the number two on a team? So <laughs> basically I think if you look at it either way, right, if it, if Harden comes back and everything's catered to him, that could be an issue. Or if Harden leaves and there's just not a lot here, yeah. that also could be an issue. Um, and I think it's it's worth noting, though, that Joe said afterwards that he wants Harden back. And I, I think he realizes, you know, it, if this is his best shot right now, like they, they made it work. And I don't know. I, I guess that's the tough thing about this, guys. Like I, I thought for most of the year they made it work pretty well. You know, wh- whatever issues there were behind the scenes, Harden's insecurities, wh- whatever, you know, just insecurity is probably the wrong word. Just Just not feeling the situation. They made it work. Like they had the best offense in the league for the past four months. You know, they almost got past Boston, but it's clear that once you lose, once, you know, the season's over and you don't accomplish the goal you're looking for, some of the truths start to come out. And for the Sixers, it's been it's been an interesting week. I, I wouldn't say it's been positive in that front. Rich, would you make a concerted effort to try to move Tobias? And if so, what what's his value for a return? Yeah, I, I wonder if that's possible now, Gunner, because yeah. for a lot of the the time. He's just he's he's a good player. Obviously, yeah. he's got his faults, <laughs> you know, the layup shooting, all those things. Like he he certainly has his good games though. Like he closed out Brooklyn. You know, he, he certainly is capable of that. But the issue is just the contract, right? Nobody wants yep. three years, a hundred and twenty million on their books, whatever it was. And now it's one year, right? And 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 expiring contract, the value isn't quite what it used to be. But I wonder if if you know. There was a thought last offseason when he had two years left, which, you know, uh, not, not too different, that they right. would be able to trade Tobias and break him up into two perhaps lesser players, but players that fit a little bit better. Maybe you get more of a shooter in here, more of a strict 3 and D guy. Yeah, they can't win a game like he did against Brooklyn or some of the shorthanded games against the Sixers this year. And I think that they're going to explore that avenue again, right? Like, But they also could let him expire off their books – and they could get a lot next season, depending on what the plan is moving forward. So mm. ultimately, I think whatever they decide to do with Tobias, I, I think it'll be okay. Like, I, I don't think they're going to go out of their way to trade him because, frankly, I bet you they've had deals available for him for a long time, but they've just decided, no, we'd rather keep this guy. He's a good player. He's an imperfect player. Sure, he's making a bit too much money, but we're over the cap anyway. Like, well, let's keep him around. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. I, I think they're in an okay spot with him. But I definitely think there is a 
greater chance than ever that he gets dealt this offseason just because okay. of the contract. It's easier. Other teams will be more interested in him. Rich, ideally for you, um, of, of the candidates that we're hearing, and there could always be a dark horse, somebody we, we're not hearing, you know, whatever. And I'm sure, though, they've had a conversation with Jay Wright. I don't think Jay Wright wants any parts of this. But anyway, uh, ideally, who would it be for you of the names that we've heard? They're all interesting names, guys. Like I, Again, with the, with the coaching stuff, I think you can talk yourself into any of these guys, and I think you can talk yourself out of any of these guys. It's it's an impressive list of uh, of coaches. I think part of it depends. Like, is Harden still here? Um, because if he's not, then it's like, okay, like maybe Nick Nurse or somebody would be a little more interesting. I think him and Joel would get along. He'd, he'd do kind of creative defensive stuff, those type of things. The, the guy who I, I generally think, if Harden is here or if they're able to get – you know, something else for him. I, for some reason, I've always really liked Monty Williams. I just, I, I really have been impressed. First off, he has a good relationship with Joe. Joe said it after the uh, game seven, because Monty's firing was the night before the Sixers lost. Yep. And, you know, they were kind of talking in generalities, but Monty Williams was an assistant under Brett. I believe it was the Jimmy year. I believe it was 2018, 19. He was here. Um, he certainly is just like mm -hmm. a great leader. Obviously, if you've seen the stuff after his, his wife died, just like, the type of man he is is like super impressive guy, like just like a great leader. But, and here's the real reason I would want him. And doc made a very good point about this. Doc always would say, that's what people say about uh, African-American coaches that, you know, great leader, like play, play, players, coach, whatever, that type of thing. But doc was right about this. Monty runs great stuff, man. <laughs> he runs, yeah. he runs like a pick and roll offense. The sun's beautiful ball movement. Now he had the players to do it. He had Chris Paul and Devin Booker's like a great off ball guy, but man, that thing before KD got there and, and they had it going, you know, they won 64 games the year before they had that thing singing. The ball was moving all, all over the place. So I really think he is an impressive guy. His issue is that they've flamed out of the playoffs the last couple of years, right? Like that's yeah. been, yeah. and it's, it's kind of similar to doc where we already have that. Yeah. They, they, they had that. So, so he's kind of an impressive guy because I also, think like having somebody who Joel likes is important, right? I, I don't know what those other guys would do. Like, I don't know if Joe would have a relationship with Mike Budenholzer, who's a good coach. I think Nick Nurse would be a fun one because he's been kind of Joel's antagonist for most of his career. But they, they have this guy, Dan Burke, who's been their assistant coach for a long time. And Joel used to not like him. And now they got along friendly after it's over. So I, I think that would be kind of an interesting pairing. I don't think Nick Nurse offensively is as creative as maybe some people are pretending like the, the Raptors mm -hmm. their offense has been pretty bad since Kawhi Leonard has gone um it's an it's an impressive list guy and then you know I don't think they would hire Sam Cassell but I certainly know he is like especially if you bring Harden back he's very popular with James Harden he was James Harden's basically like his I wouldn't say development coach because that's kind of more for younger players right that's like James Harden has certainly developed his game to whatever level, but he was his individual coach, had a really good relationship with him and Maxi. And if you wanted to keep the rest of the staff, which I think it is a pretty good staff overall, you could do that as well. So I, there are a lot of ways they could go. I think that is less important, obviously, though, than what's James Harden doing here this year. Mm, like I think, yeah. I think all of those options, you could definitely talk yourself into them. Um, and for the Sixers, having a fresh voice, I, I think is fair. Frank Vogel, I, I, I don't. I'm not sure I see that one. He's more of a defensive coach. But, but again, you could talk yourself into all of these guys. Most of these guys have even had more playoff success than Doc has. So, Rich, I, I don't want to be the typical fan, but I'm going to say this, and I want to hear your response. 
everything we've talked about this week, everything we've talked about with you over the past half hour, this could turn out to be a disaster for next season. A, a disaster. A, am I overstating the case? You mean if Harden leaves? If Harden leaves, uh, if the right coach is not brought in, they, they're handcuffed. They can't do much to improve this roster to help Joel out if Harden mm-hmm. does leave. And then you Joel I mean? maybe maybe wants out after. And maybe yeah. Joel wants out, or he plays next season pouting because he's stuck here. Yeah, this I, this could be a disaster. Definitely, definitely could be. And I guess the one thing I would say, Derek, is that I do think Daryl Moore is pretty good at his job. Like I, I do think w- whatever you want to say about him, he's yeah. been pretty good at averting disaster over his career. Like he got James Harden way back when without tanking. Like the I, mm-hmm. I forget who the who the Rockets owner, I think it was Les Alexander before Fertitta. That guy just didn't want to tank. So he found a way to kind of just tread water and gain all these assets for years to, to get Harden. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I think, I think things certainly could turn out poorly. Now there, there are a lot of balls in the air and it doesn't necessarily have to turn out that way, but yeah, right. is it absolutely a possibility? Yes. I don't yeah. think you're uh I don't think you're necessarily – you don't have to be a fan to foresee that. I think a lot of people in NBA circles have been whispering, ooh, man, that could that could go, uh, you know, like or whatever. And the NBA, those circles are very gossipy. They're yeah. very like, what, what's the next star who's going to be unhappy? No, it's it's not just fans who have said that. So that is – it's not 100%, but it, but it's certainly possible for sure. Uh, so, so we'll see. <laughs> Rich, appreciate it, man. It's a. Uh, I feel like we're we're in like the first chapter of what's going to be a very long, uh, you know, book this off season. But thanks for a couple minutes today. Thank you. Okay, guys. See you. Thank you. Got it. That is Rich Hoffman from yeah. the Athletic Sixers writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Rich underscore Hoffman. You know, Gunner, I'm kind of left having the same feeling that you know we had when you and I were discussing this in the first segment. You, yeah. you can go a million different ways, and I feel like most of them aren't great. I, if, I, if I'm being frank, you know, and only if only if there's some serious, serious GMing done to get out of this mess by Daryl Morey. And that's why you brought him in and that's why you're paying the big bucks. But he's got a, he's got a tough job in front of him. Are you are you confident he can do it? I mean, uh, we, we applaud. Now, let's go back to last summer before the season. We applauded the moves he made. And, and again, I said it earlier in the show, and I'll reiterate it again. We applauded the moves, the depth, the bringing in a pit bull mentality like Tucker for defensive purposes and for leadership purposes. They, we felt they strengthened the bench. Yep. They, won, they won 54 games, the most wins they've had since the 2000-2001 season. But it all unraveled at the most crucial time of the season. Now we've talked about how hamstrung they are. You know, Keith Pompey puts out there, you know, the rumor we've started hearing Christmas Day about Harden wanting to go back to Houston is now picking up steam. You know, Embiid's unhappy that Doc has been fired. Uh, there's, it, there's no way they can improve the roster enough to make this what we perceive to be a better team, to put a better supporting cast around him. Are you confident Morey can, can, can perform a magic act and, and and pull us off. Yeah, it's a great question. Hey, the odds from Odds Shark of James Harden's next team. Rockets minus 125. They're the favorite. Sixers plus 400. Suns oh, plus 700. Clippers plus 1,200. Lakers plus 800. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Jeez. So the, 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 the Rockets are the 
odds on favorite by a, a pretty decent margin there, Gunner. So <laughs> it's kind of where we're at, man. When, when you know, Vegas puts it out there, they like we always say, they know something that the general yes. consensus doesn't know. Correct. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Could not agree more. All right, let's come back. Let's talk some birds. Let's talk some birds when we get back. Jason Kelsey had some interesting things to say based on this year being a little bit more of a challenge. Um, and I have some some numbers to back that up, Derek, which we'll get into uh, when we come back. Uh, we're going to have Scott Lauber at 1.30 to talk some Phillies. At 2 o'clock, Derek, we'll do our NFL segment. We're going to hit a couple different things. One, AFC power rankings, one through five. We did the NFC yesterday. Also, division winners from last year that are most vulnerable to taking mm-hmm. a step back. Okay. Mm-hmm. We will hit that from, for the AFC and the NFC. So we'll do all that when we return. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. Let's talk about Jim Murray and principal financial group, because look, finding that right person can be a challenge, but it's also critical. And I found the right person. And I want you to find that right person too. And that's Jim Murray and principal financial group, whether it's, 401k review. You may not be happy with your insurance. You have a small business. You're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground. Any of these things apply and then some. I mean, look, if you're not even sure, just give them a call. But I know I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollover with Jim. I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call. 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You could also email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. 
United Healthcare. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, uh, that late arrival was Rob Ellis. Going and, as quickly as I could. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. My apologies. Uh, uh, trying to be quick. Uh, how you guys doing? Hi. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Oh, wow. So let me, let me inform. <laughs> let me let everybody know um, what went on with the prom last night. So we had, we had, we had a good time. Everything worked out. Yeah. The, um, we did the pictures at the house first. So we did that, and it was great. Did you get emotional? No, I kept it together. I was good. Yeah, I was good. Um, So we we did the pictures at the house and then they went and got pictures taken out front of where the actual prom was going to be. Nice little little area, you know, kind of woodsy sort of place or whatever. So they 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 got their pictures there, and then she, you know she got together with all her friends and and all that good stuff, and all the all the parents congregate and all that. But you know, really, uh, knock on wood. Uh, you know, the first phase of the doubleheader went off without any hitches. We got tonight too, so we got one more. Uh, her, you know, her friend's prom, her boyfriend's prom. So we'll we'll do that, and then uh, then we're good. Then that's it, and we're done. Then it's just graduation after that. So so so, what is your role in this whole thing? Nothing really. Sit there, take pictures, get into a couple of pictures. I tried to help with the boutonniere, you know, the boutonniere that you put on oh, yeah. the little flower yeah. thing, yeah. yeah, which I almost stabbed the poor kid to death, but we got through it. Um, and, and I had to bring in enforcements to help. So I didn't, you know, break it or, or injure anybody. So, uh, yes, the, my, uh, my sister-in-law, I think stepped in and finished off the job. So we're good to go. Yes. Why, why are women always so much better and putting on the boutonnieres than men. It's like we just we have fumble fingers, man. We can't figure we can't figure it's it out. Long yeah. pin, man. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is I'm going to stab this poor kid. That's what it is. That's yeah. same with me. Wow. I don't understand why women do it so effortlessly, and men fumble around. Oh, yeah, they were like, they were like pop 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 pop. Oh, it's done. Like, what's the problem? Like, all right, yeah. all right I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. Yes, I know. I know. So <laughs> I, I hear Dan with this. No problem in, the, in, in his house. If his, uh, if his daughter isn't back by midnight, he turns into a Navy SEAL. I hear Yeah, you. you know what? He's he's talking trash. Let me tell you why big sales. Because I was the same way. I have two of my three kids are daughters. My two older yeah. kids are daughters. Yeah. And I was the same way. I cried wolf, huff, and puff. When they get to a certain age, you don't win those arguments anymore. They tune you out. Now, they respect you. Yeah. If you raise your kids right, they respect you. But when they get to a certain age, you know, and I used to use all this. Say, see, see, Big Sales is laughing. See, <laughs> yeah, he knows what I'm talking about. He he knows exactly what I'm talking about. They look at you like, Dad, let me tell you what, what I did one time. And my wife and my daughters went nuts. So I have this uh, I have this shotgun, right? And this, was, this didn't have to do with the prom. 
But my one daughter, I can't remember if it was Anna or Tina. They were dating a guy. And they, they said, oh, yeah, so-and-so's coming over. And so I just pulled it out. I was just going to pull it out, like polish it in front of the guy, right? And my daughter, my wife goes, what are you doing? I said, nothing. I'm just pulling it out. Just to, go put that away. Go. I got yelled at so bad. But that, what are you doing? You're not going to embarrass us like this. I thought it was a good prank, you know, but it didn't work. So, but. Yeah, you know, you can you can do what you want to do. You know, when they're your little they're your little girls until the day you die. And you when they're little, think about this, because you've got a daughter. When my daughter gets a certain age, I'm not gonna let her do this and she's not gonna do that. Right. And I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna and I'm gonna scare the, the bejesus out of her boyfriend. That doesn't happen. Well, in fact, if you are that guy, they're going the opposite way on you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You don't want tension in the house. If you are so over the top and like restrictive, then you're asking for trouble because they're going to rebel. They just are. It's in our, it's in everybody's nature yes. when you, when, when you're being, a, so you got to be smart. You got to pick and choose your spots. You got to be smart. You got to know where to, where to kind of take a step back, know when to sort of interject, but not be over the top and not be preachy. It's it's a fine line, man. It's not, Nobody said this stuff was easy, Gunner. You know what I mean? It ain't easy. See, the way we were raised compared to the way our kids are raised, and, and, you know, you and me, we try to follow suits to a certain degree the way our parents raised us. Yeah. But we have to modernize our way of raising kids because the times have changed. You know, we didn't have cell phones, laptop, iPads, you know, MacBooks, all that stuff, you know, Um, Microsoft Surface and all this stuff, you know. Um, (laughs) So, you know, so... Yeah, we have to we we have to change. So Big Seal's talking about I go Navy Seal. Big Seals, you need to stop right now because you know you're lying. You know, doggone well you I have a gun rack in the living room. Yeah, okay, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> you want tension in the house, go ahead and cause tension with your daughter. Because I guarantee you, you ain't do half the stuff that you're trying to tell us that you do. there's no way possible that your wife and daughter let you get away with that man. Uh I and look, the other thing is like you Obviously, you hope the the young man or woman, depending on you know if your son, daughter, or whatever, whatever anybody's into, yeah. like, whatever, yeah. is respectful. Like th- yeah. that's all, and you hope they understand, you know, that this is someone's child, and you try to, at least in subtle ways, get those points across. So we we, we shall see, we shall see. That's the, for sure. the, the only thing that I've ever told either one of my son in laws is, don't ever put your hands on my daughter. Right. You know, if yep. it gets to the point where it gets, you know verbally you know tense and stuff you both just walk away until you cool off go take a ride go take a drive go take a a walk yep yeah you know don't don't just don't put you and i I have no respect for men that hit women i I I just don't now if you're in a situation where somebody's coming at you with a knife or something yeah and you you defend yourself that's different but just out of frustration and anger you haul off and and punch i have no no respect for dudes that do that whatsoever yeah agreed agreed all right so well i'll keep you posted i'll I'll update you guys on monday how how uh now, number two went tonight. Um, all right, so Little Eagles. I thought this was interesting. It, we, it was sort of lost in everything earlier in the week, Derek, but uh, a couple of Eagles players met with the media, James Bradbury, yeah. Jason Kelsey, among them. There were others, but among them, uh, they met with the media. Kelsey had a couple things to say. One, he was very, very effusive in his praise of Cam Jurgens. Like, he really – and it wasn't just the – yeah, he's working hard. This, you know, it was like this guy's gonna be the real deal. Like he's a big, big fan. So for what it's worth, in terms of that guard spot, we'll see. We'll see. It, it feels to me like that's Jurgen's job to lose, but uh, you know, we'll see. Um, well, well, let's go. Let's go back. Um, 
let's go back to when they drafted Jurgens, and we heard the story that that Kelsey was the one that suggested to Howie, you got to draft this guy. Yeah. So Kelsey saw something in that guy that was very similar to what he's built himself to be, uh, number one. And, and, and Cam has lived up to it every day in practice. And then when we saw him in limited action, how he got off the snap, how he got downfield to the, second, the next level and was opening holes in, in, in driving blocks and maintaining blocks down the field. That kid has potential. Mm-hmm. Now, you put him in right guard the way, you know, uh, Stoutland cross trains his offensive lineman. He's going to be a great fit at the right guard if Steen doesn't win that job. And eventually he is the heir apparent to Kelsey at the center position. So I understand why Kelsey is is just 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 giving his kid all kind of accolades. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid has potential. We got to see him do it every day. Plus, he's a little bit bigger body than Kelsey was at, no uh, as well. Yep. Um, so I understand why Ke- if anybody, if if Jason Kelsey gives anybody a ringing endorsement, you take it for you take it for, as, as as a word because. You know, I don't know of any center in the league that's more respected than a Jason Kelsey at this stage. Agreed. No, yeah. and and when I read some of the stuff that he was saying about Jurgens, all yeah. I can think is this guy would be a great coach. Now, I don't think he wants the headache. I, I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm just saying if had he if he chooses to, he could absolutely be a phenomenal, uh, you know, offensive line coach, technician, yep. Yep. you know, et cetera. So, um, what he, what he also said was interesting. So it's going to be a lot harder this year. And he named any number of reasons. Uh, You know, one of the things he pointed out is we're going to be absolutely, people are going to be gunning for us. People are going to be dissecting everything that we did on the offensive side of the ball and looking to take that away. You know, it's human nature is, is it's difficult to get back up all those kind of things. Um, So I looked this up just thinking about it. We've heard some of these stats before, but yeah. So the Super Bowl losing team the next year, Gunner. So we've had 57 now. Well, 56, 57 Super Bowls, but we don't know what the Eagles are going to do next year yet. So it really right, only 56 right. counts, right, that we that we know of. So of those 56, 39 have made the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's a decent percentage. That's a good that, number, yes. That's almost 70%. So yes. I think the notion is automatically, oh, my God, the next year these teams are done. No, not really. Like, no. you, you do get to the no. playoffs. So only 17 failed to make the playoffs. Only 11 didn't reach the 500 mark. All right. So okay. just, just to give you an idea, like, like the Eagles, the year after uh, they went in 30 in Super Bowl 39, we know that next year was a mess. T.O. They had all kinds of injuries. That was, that was an awful season for them. Mm-hmm. But 2018 wasn't that bad. They won a playoff yeah. game. You remember right. they went to Chicago right. in the double doink game. That's and, right. Yep. And I was there. This close. You were there. Yep. You covered every game. I, I know. And you were on the road for every game. They were this close to, to beating uh, New Orleans. If it wasn't for the ball going off of um, Alshon Jeffrey's hands, they might advance in that game as well. So I, I just think it's, we, we were automatically in the mode of like, oh boy, gloom and doom. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, of of the numbers you just mentioned, Rob, how many made it back to the Super Bowl? Do you have that figure? Uh, I no, I I, okay. I can pull that up for you. Okay, yeah, I can pull it up. Yeah. So As I, I understand what Kelsey's saying. It's going to get tougher. Yes, because look at what happened to the 2004 Eagles team. This team was decimated by injuries. Okay, look at what happened after 2017. Uh, a team, a team that was decimated by injuries. Mm-hmm. You know. This team 
uncharacteristic. I have it for I have it for you. Okay, how many? How many? Eight. So eight out of fifty-six. Yeah. So here's who it is. It's it, we're going back, you know, seventy-one yes. Cowboys, yep. seventy-two Dolphins, seventy-three Vikings, eighty-seven Broncos, Bills. We know that run that they went on. So 91, 92, 93, yep. 2018 Patriots who actually won it. That's okay. it. So 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 between what was what was the last year Buffalo was in there? You said Buffalo ninety-three look, for Buffalo. Okay. Look at the gap between Buffalo and New England. Right. Right. Okay. And New England's the only team that's done it since 2010. Yeah. Basically. And that was when they were running the whole running the whole show in AFC, the way Kansas City is right now. Yeah. You still have Brady, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I get why Kelsey said that because it, it's so true. He's lived it already. Yeah. He knows. He he's lived it. There's so many obstacles you have to overcome. And on top of that, their schedule is 10 times harder on paper as we sit here today. Mm-hmm. We don't know. You know, key players could be out for, for games. You don't know. But as we look at it right now, in terms of the quarterbacks they're facing, in terms of the caliber of teams they're facing, it's a much, much, much more difficult schedule than what they just went through uh, this past season. So he's right. And the fact that they were able to have 22 starters available for the Super Bowl, which is unheard of. Yeah. So he's right, man. I mean, you you have to consider everybody playing you in 2023, every week, every 17 games, it's their Super Bowl because you were that Super Bowl team. Mm -hmm. 30 other teams got to sit back and watch you and Kansas City go at it. Yep. Everybody's talking about the Eagles are the favorites to win the NFC again. You're going to get everybody's best shot. That's not to say the Eagles can't do it again because they have the roster that they can do it again. They can get back there again. But the landmines they have to get through this year and navigate through much more explosive than a year ago. No, no question. There, there, there is, I mean, schedule-wise, the odds of being healthy two straight years, I mean, come on. You know, it, it is going to be a big, big challenge, you know, for sure. Ooh, and my goodness. like we talked about yesterday, the yep. new looks on defense, you know, guys Ooh. that are going to have to play – that didn't have to play last year that sort of, you know, either were able to red shirt or rookies that are going to be playing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot harder for sure. Now I, um, I thought this was interesting pro football focus graded the Eagles out as having an a off season. Mm. Uh, I'll give you what they said. Um, okay. The veteran portion of Philadelphia's off season was about retaining talent and minimizing the losses to the Super Bowl appearance after looking like they were going to lose one, and then the other of Bradbury and Slay, they both somehow retained them, as well as Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham along the defensive line. There were losses, but by and large, at spots where the Eagles had already future-proofed a season ago, meaning some of the younger guys were ready to step in. In the draft, they worked magic. They emerged with a first-round pick with both Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, mm-hmm. elite defensive lineman on Georgia's formidable defense. Their next three picks, Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown, and Kaylee Ringo, could all contribute, contribute early – Yep. and future-proof positions in 2024 and beyond. Another outstanding offseason. So that that's a, that's according to uh, Pro Football Focus for what it's worth. Well, you you got the players. Let's see how they make the transition to the pros. Um, let's see how the coaching staff utilizes all of this player's skill sets. Um, everything that you look at about this Eagles team looks great on paper. On paper. But as you know, we don't play the games on paper. It's got to happen. You know, it's got to happen on the field. And they come out of the gate, man. Um, 
they hit some pretty good teams. And you know the old saying goes, when you get to a Super Bowl, the longer you don't win it, the more you allow other teams to get better. Yeah. And it's so true because the bottom teams are drafting higher. They're getting future stud players. You know, the Eagles pulled a rabbit out of their head. They got two potential stud players in the first round this year. Yep. Um, but defensive coordinators now have more film on how you run your offense and defense. Not necessarily defense because they don't know what the side is going to do. But they're going to scheme you differently. They're going to attack Jalen Hurts differently. Um, and how do you counter that? I mean, they have the weapons, luckily, in every phase of their offense to counter anything anybody throws at them. But it, it just gets a little – it's just that much tougher. It is, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. You know, the mental game is more is more strenuous than the physical game in a lot of ways. And mentally, this is a very taxing schedule for this team. Yeah, and if you didn't if you didn't see it last week, if you haven't didn't really pay too much attention to it, so what we're we're referencing here, and we went through the whole NFC East yesterday, in fact, and, and their schedules. But you know, the, the Eagles come out of the shoot. It's it's the early portion is a little bit more favorable. They're at New England. Not that that's going to be an easy game. And then you have a quick turnaround Thursday night to take on the Vikings, which presents its own challenges. Then you're at Tampa. Washington home at the Rams at the Jets with Aaron Rodgers home against Miami at Washington Dallas home now I say that's the easier portion of the schedule that is far from easy yes you know far from easy then you get a bye week in week 10 and here's where it gets real at Kansas City Monday night Bills home Sunday Niners week short week six days Niners home the following week at Dallas Sunday night at Seattle the following week Giants home. So you're looking at weeks 11 through 16, which are really, really hard. You close it out, Arizona at home. That should be, that's a favorable matchup for them for sure. And then you go to the Giants. But that stretch from out of the bye until week 17, wow, man, that is hard. But that's the price you pay for being the best team. It's the price you pay. Every team goes through it. Um, You got to navigate it. And and I, I give credit to Howie Roseman for assembling the roster that he has right now, for bringing back the likes of Bradbury, for bringing back uh, Brandon Graham in a supporting role, Fletcher Cox in a supporting role. You need those veteran players who have been through the rigors of of big games, playoff experience to help calm the younger players, even the younger players they've brought in who may have not been, who have, who may not have gone through a lot of the stuff that you get to see when it gets down to you know, the nitty gritty time in late December mm-hmm. and into January. Um, so, and in the draft, how his last three drafts to complement these frontline players that he has, you know, his ability to, to finally tap into the sec and boy, has he tapped into the sec the last three years (laughs) between Alabama and Georgia, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I have to give him a lot of credit. Now it's on the coaching staff to make this thing work. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's, uh, we'll pick the football stuff back up at two o'clock and dig into uh, the AFC power rankings, which are going to be fun. Most vulnerable division winners, a bunch of other odds and ends we'll give you on the NFL when we come back. All right. When we return though, uh, we will talk to Scott Lauber who covers the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer. had a fascinating piece today on the reasons why this team is off to a 20 and 23 start. So we'll talk to Scott when we get back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are sports take Jacob sports, YouTube network. I want to tell you right now about pro action, restoration yeah proaction restoration if you have a home or a business and you've experienced the inconvenience of water fire smoke mold damage to your property any of the above or and then some if you're not sure 
you're not really sure who to turn to, but I know who you turn to. It's Pro Action Restoration because they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist, and they're great at what they do. I called them on a Saturday. They got right out to my parents' house. They cleaned up the mess. They fixed the problem. The crew was professional. It was clean. The price was reasonable. It was a sigh of relief for us. I can tell you that much. And Pro Action Restoration is licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro Action will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So, again, whether it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760. Or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Score 
save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We are Sports Day. Tell a friend, as a matter of fact. Uh, smash that like button if you could on this Friday. We've talked a lot of Sixers. Just discussed the Eagles. We're going to be looking ahead to the NFL season as well. Um, but the Phillies, a team we had really high expectations for, and it is still crazy early. I mean, we're not even out of the month of May. But right. are off to a 20-23 and 23 start. And I, I, I thought our, our next guest did a great job today really pinpointing some of the reasons why. And in fact, spoke with Dave Dombrowski and, and Dave didn't really pull any punches, but that is Scott Lauber, Phillies reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Scott, first off, great piece, man. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, yep. let, me, let me just say that. And and Thanks, thanks guys. Sure. And, and my first impression was, you know, not that he said a ton, but Dave Dombrowski wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything. It was just basically like, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that we're playing as well. I, and I'm, I thought Trey Turner would be better than he is so far, and Taiwan Walker, et cetera. He was, you know, pretty pointed. Yeah, he was, and uh, it's interesting. I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, he was not on the road trip. Now, he normally makes every road trip, but he does take one or two trips early in the season to go around and see the minor leagues. So he spent the week watching Reading, watching Jersey Shore, and he was doing a lot of what people at home were doing, which was tuning in late at night, to watch them play in Colorado and in San Francisco and, um, you know, still had uh, every bit as much a pulse of what's going on as he does when he's there. But, you know, I think when you're not there and, and you're watching from a bit of a distance, maybe you have a little bit uh, of a different perspective sometimes. And I was curious just to get his thoughts on 2023, mm-hmm. what's going on and how does he view it? How does he see it? And like you said, he didn't mince words. He didn't pull punches. He said, we should be better than we are. I think he's at a bit of a loss, like a lot of us are, for why they haven't been better. You know, they're getting a lot of hits. They're just not timed very well. Uh, they're, they're not coming with runners in scoring position. They're not coming um, in critical times. I guess it could be worse. You could be not getting anybody on base, and, right. and then your offense is totally stalled, and you'd like to think that eventually the worm will turn. If you keep getting guys on, you're going to start to get them in. 
but you know, it was, it, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery as to why, at least from an offensive side, and we can talk about the pitching, I'm sure we will, mm-hmm. um, but why they're not clicking a little bit more. And, and I think it gets to why, you know, they've, they've been in this cycle of, you know, win three or four in a row, lose four or five in a row, uh, and really can't get any kind of momentum going. Scott, their their lack of production with runners in scoring position has been – it just leaves you speechless. When you look at the lineup, it's, I mean, just consistently, the one through seven hitters, um, from, from your vantage point, when you watch these guys at the plate, are they overcompensating? Are they overswinging? Is everybody trying to swing for the fence? Are they not approaching the small ball element of the game the way they should? Well, it's hard not to say that, that they're not pressing uh, because – one of the things that they are doing is they're chasing pitches out of the zone more yep. than they normally do. Yep. So, you know, look, Kyle Schwarber is going to strike out a lot. It's just the kind of hitter that he is. Um, he's going to hit a lot of home runs, but he's also going to strike out a lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not entirely surprising to me, but it's surprising when you see Trey Turner go out of the zone and chase as much as he has. He doesn't strike out 200 times a year. And, you know, that's what he's on pace for right now or just about. So, um, you know, it's hard to say like Trey Turner is not pressing right now. It's hard to say that some guys are not trying to do a little too much or trying to come out of their um, uh, of their of their zone or, or do what they do well uh, because the hits just aren't falling. So some of it's been bad luck. You know, I mean, Schwarber hit a hit into a double play in San Francisco where he just crushed the ball and and it was one of those things. But yeah, I mean, you can certainly see that in some cases they are pressing a bit, and I think they all know that you know, the number with runners in scoring position is what it is. You know, it's weird. They're like fourth in the league in hits and like 11th in runs scored. Jeez. So it shows yeah. you right there that they're just not getting the hits at the at the right times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to, to back up Scott's point, they're two for their last 39 with runners in scoring, which is, it's almost, it sounds like I'm making this stuff up. I, I, I'm not, Scott. Um, you referenced Trey Turner and, you know, there are a couple things that frustrate me. Look, sometimes you're just not going to get hits. Guys get off the slow starts. We saw it with Castellanos last year. Perhaps it's a change of uniforms and all those kind of things. It, it's a long season, too, and I think he's too talented for this to keep up. Here's here Herein lies the frustration for me, a couple things. There have been several instances where I felt like he didn't necessarily bust it on the base paths. There was a play the other night, and I, can't, I apologize. I don't remember if it was Colorado or San Francisco, where a line drives hit, and he sort of nonchalantly goes after it and doesn't catch it. He's got, what, five steals on the year, and there was an instance the other day that was begging for him in, in, the, in the getaway game for him to take off on first base. Some of it, it feels like, is, is a lack of effort. And I'm, we're not – not you, but, like, it's not talked about quite that much in my estimation, and that really bothers me, frankly. Yeah, I mean, the one play that comes to mind for me is in, was in Cincinnati. If you remember, there was a uh, ground ball, an overthrow at first base, and uh, he got thrown out at second. Yep. Um, and it didn't look good. Um, you know, uh, I talked to some people, I was at that series and talked to some people after the game and nobody wanted to say that he wasn't hustling or that it was like a let up, but it didn't look good. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's one of those guys who's so athletic and so dynamic that things look easier than they are. Um, cause I know what you're saying. I mean, there have been some times where it looks like he's not running hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's a pretty effortless guy though. You think about those smooth slides, you think about, you know, like they used to say the same thing when we were younger about Griffey, right? Like, Oh, you know, Griffey nonchalant and everything. I don't think it was that so much as 
it just came easy to him or it looked like it did. So I, I don't know if that's the case with Turner. I do know this, that I don't get the feeling that this is Castellanos 2.0. Mm. I, I don't think he's uncomfortable here. I was just uh, going to say one. that. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I, you know, and look, I, I asked Dave Dombrowski about it yesterday. And again, he's a bit uh, uh, at a loss like the rest of us are. Like, it's not the first time Trey Turner has changed teams. He's been traded. It's not the first time he's played in a big market. He played in L.A. He's won a World Series. He came here. He already knew Kevin Long, the hitting coach. He was already friends with and had a good relationship with Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. It's not like he's walking into this place and he's a fish out of water and he's uncomfortable and it's taken time to adjust. I don't get that feeling from him at all. I just don't think it's clicked yet for him. And I don't know whether it had something to do with you know, the weird spring training being away at the WBC. He was hot as a pistol at the WBC, yeah. and you thought he'd carry that right into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did write a story uh, that just went online, actually just before we came on here, about the stolen base thing. I had a long conversation with him about it um, the other day in San Francisco, and um, I'll kind of give you the Cliff Notes version of the story. It's just that, like, mm-hmm. he's he's very thoughtful about, like, when to go and when not to go, and and – he almost sort of second guesses, uh, not second guesses. He almost overthinks it sometimes. Mm. Like, is this the right situation? It's like, dude, you're the fastest runner in the game. You've got an 85% success rate over your career. Just go. And there've been times in his career where he's had coaches. Davey Lopes was his, his base running coach in Washington when he was super young early in his career. And David Lopes used to just say, just go, just go. Don't think about it. Just go. And I think, I think there's got to be a little bit of just go for Trey Turner on the bases. Use, use your speed. Don't think it too much. Um, don't worry about who's batting behind you. Don't worry about, you know, mm-hmm. am I going to get thrown out? 85% of the time you're well, going to make Scott, it. Scott, on top of it, it's easier to steal now. Yes. I mean, let, let's be frank. With the disengagement and everything else with baseball, the percentages are way up. So they're, they're even yes. more in your favor. There are 46 players who have stolen more bases then Trey Turner has attempted. Jeez. So, and Trey wow. Turner is arguably, I mean, not arguably, it's measurable. He is, he is, if not the fastest runner in the National League by sprint speed, right? They measure this now. He's, he's number two and it's by like a tenth of a whatever. So like, I mean, he's, he's as fast as it gets and he's just, he's not running. Now, some of it has to do with he's on base less than he usually mm-hmm. is, but you know, you're right. There have been times where he's on first base and you're just like, go, go, you know, especially when the team's not hitting, mm-hmm. make something happen. And so that's the part as much as anything that makes me scratch my head about his start. It's just, I think I expected a little bit more in terms of just how dynamic he can be and how much energy he can create. And it just doesn't feel like he's done that. Scott, is there a possibility this this Phillies team could be suffering from extended season hangover? I mean, they go to the World Series, and you look at Houston. Now, Houston's five games over 500, but they're not playing. They've had injury problems as well compared to the Phillies. Is that a possibility because they play so much longer than everybody else with a short turnaround, shorter time to mentally, physically heal up? They could be suffering from that early in this season? I think so. I mean, I think it's human nature. Right. Like we talk about it in other sports. Right. I mean, how about Super Bowl uh, teams that go to the Super Bowl and lose? Right. You know, very often don't have the same year the next year. And there are so many factors that go into that. A shorter offseason is one of them for sure, especially on the pitching side. Um, 
you know, I, I just, I also just think like, think about what, you know, like the jobs that we do. Right. And, you know, you go, you cover a playoff run with a team and every game is so important and you're hanging mm-hmm. on every single pitch, right. And yeah. every single out. And then you come back for the next year and it takes you a little while to sort of dig in again and feel like this is all very important again because of the stakes were so high uh, the year before the way it ended. So I do, I think, I think there's probably something to that. And, you know, Turner alluded to it the other day. He said, look, we keep talking about the roster we have and how good we think we are. And, and, you know, then there's also the tendency when you come through a season like they had last year where they had their challenges as the season went along and they started 22 and 29 or whatever it was, and they overcame all of that. There is a, there is also a human tendency to say, we'll figure it out. It's early still. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. Well, at some point you have to do it. You have to kind of put your foot on the gas and go do it. And, Mm -hmm. and Turner said the other day in San Francisco, like, I feel like all we've done is talk, talk, talk now. Scott, you, we, uh, you broke up for a second there, man. I don't know if you can hear us, but your uh, your video's frozen. So we'll we'll uh, tone. We'll pull him down for a second uh, and see if we can get him straightened out. Um, so there, there you go. Okay, we got you back. Oh, there Scott. we go. There uh, we sorry go. about that. That's okay. Right. Yeah. But you basically you, you the gist of it was, hey, look, we're we're the roster's so good, and we we did it last year. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get this thing turned around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, like Turner said the other day in San Francisco, you know, it's like he said, I feel like all we've done is talk, talk, talk. Now right. it's time to, to actually do it, to play yeah. better. And, and you know, there's no doubt about that. All right, l- let's go to the pitching, which we, we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Taiwan Walker is, is the latest in your in your mind because of the way it went the other day. But, you know, they're really killing this bullpen. And, and, and the lack of length mm-hmm. that you get, I mean – I think Wheeler and Noel have started to get it together. And now that you get Suarez back, that, that certainly could change things. But thus far, based off of what were, you know, first 43 games, the starters have really hurt these guys, perhaps even more than the inconsistency with runners in scoring position. Walker's worrying me right now, Scott. I mean, you talk about a 653 ERA. Um, and the pen, I thought they did a great job the other day, but eventually they're going to cave when you're asking to get you eight innings. What, what's happening there? And what, what are some solutions? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we can talk all we want about the offense and runners in scoring position and whatnot. They they will score runs. I guarantee it. I guarantee that they will be a better offensive team. I can't say that I can guarantee that the rotation is going to stabilize or figure it out or that they're not going to burn out their bullpen. Like, to me, the biggest reason why they haven't been able to get on a roll yet, and when I say a roll, I mean, like, you know, reeling off like 16 out of 20 or something like that, is that their starting pitching hasn't been good enough to do that. And you know, it's one thing when you um, have a fifth starter problem, the way the Phillies do. A lot of teams have a fifth starter problem. Right. You know, they cycle through guys and they try to figure out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they use a bullpen game and try to figure it all out. But, you know, they got Taiwan Walker in here to kind of stabilize the middle of the rotation. Call him whatever you want, a number three or a number four. He's kind of – him and Suarez are kind of three and three A for me. And when Taiwan Walker's got an ERA of six and a half and he's – He's, he's getting through six innings and maybe half of his starts, and he's walking 10% of the batters that he faces. That's not who he's been over his career. He's been a, a much better pitcher than that. So uh, they thought they had it figured out. They really did two starts ago. You know, he uh, remember he had that really bad one at Dodger Stadium, and yeah. he talked about being too cute, nibbling too much. And so they sat him down and they said, let's simplify things. You know, you've got like six pitches. 
you know, don't worry about all six of them. Use your splitter. It's your signature pitch. The splitter and the fastball really should be good enough. And against the Red Sox, it was good enough. Against the Rockies, it was good enough. And as long as he throws the fastball for strikes, the splitter is good enough to get guys out. He didn't throw the fastball for strikes against the Giants. And so what happened was he walked a couple of guys, and then he gave up some soft contact, not a ton of hard hit balls in that first inning, but you know, he couldn't locate his fastball. So the Giants were like, well, we're just going to lay off the fastball, wait for the splitter, and when we get it, we're going to hit it. And mm-hmm. they did that. And some balls fell in, and before you knew it, four runs were in, and he'd thrown 40 pitches, and he had to come out of that game. And now your bullpen's got to go get, you know, uh, seven-plus mm-hmm. innings to, to finish off the game. And it's just – it's um, you know, he said afterwards he thinks it's a small fix, or like a mechanical fix to maybe lock in the command. Well, it better be a small fix because, you know, they're already they're they already don't have a fifth starter, and there's not a whole lot they can do about that given their options in the minor leagues. You really need Taiwan Walker to be much much better than he has been uh, in order to feel good about the rotation as a whole. Scott, when I look at this bullpen, um, they have the luxury to have closer by committee. Unlike most teams that have a definitive closer, they've got three, four arms. They can throw 98, 100 at any given second. But the inconsistency, and, and again, it's May, and I'm not panicking, but it's frustrating to watch because prime example, Soto, the other night, game two against San Francisco, this dude was like the untouchable, Elliot Ness, the untouchable. The next night, he can't find a plate. You know, and they tattoo him for four hits, four runs. And that's been the theme with that entire back end of that bullpen. You know, just when you think you've got somebody figured out in terms of what he's going to be when he steps to the mound, he does the complete opposite. I I can't remember the last time I've seen anything like this. This team has the wealth of pitching, even with Suarez hurt, Alvarado hurt. They still have enough to get the job done, but they allow teams to dominate them at crucial innings and crucial stages of games. Yeah, I mean, other than Alvarado, who's out yeah. right now, right? Yeah. There's been kind of a lot, a little bit of up and down. I am not nearly as concerned about the the bullpen and specifically the late guys. I mean, look at what Craig Kimbrell has done when he has had the proper amount of rest, right? Like, you know, he's had some clunkers. There's no question about it. The one in Dodger State, the two in Dodger Stadium yeah. were terrible, and that's one of the reasons why the RA is what it is. But when he's on a normal kind of workload. Um, he's been very good. And Mm. at his age, that's what he needs. Uh, You can't have this guy pitching, you know, two out of every three days. Uh, Dominguez, I think, is okay. I think think he's sort of taken some time to get into the rhythm of the season. But ultimately, he's a good pitcher, and I think he's going to be fine. Same with Soto. I kind of wonder with Soto the other day whether the Giants picked something up with him. Maybe he was tipping because he strikes a lot of guys out. He strikes out like 30% of the batters he faces. And he gave up contact to like seven consecutive hitters in that game against the Giants the other day in the eighth inning. And I wonder whether they knew something was coming or they, they, they picked something up on him. But, you know, for the most part, he's been fine. There have been some clunkers here or there. So I think it's okay. I, I do think that they have the depth out there of arms that you mentioned. They can close with four different guys, maybe even five different guys. Um, so ultimately, I think it's fine, but you can't you – can't, you can't, um, use them all the time you can't overtax these guys and you know that gets back to the fifth starter issue because what's the plan scott they don't know yet i mean look some of it depends on what happens tonight what happens tomorrow like if ranger suarez gives them a short start tonight which could happen he's he's making a second start coming back 
you know, they may need to go and get somebody to start Sunday. But if they can get some length from Suarez and from Nola and the bullpen is mm-hmm. in relatively good shape, you could see either a bullpen game Sunday or you could see maybe an opener and then Matt Strom for some bulk innings in the middle. Mm-hmm. Matt Strom's another guy. He's pitched really well. Where would they yeah. be without yeah. him, right? But yeah. I get emails from people all the time saying, just put Matt Strom in the rotation. Well, he hasn't been a starter, full-time starter since 2019. If you keep pitching him as often as they've pitched him, you're going to burn him out by the middle of the season. And then what are you going to be left with? So they need to watch him a little bit. And I think they feel that way. Like, okay, we got to pump the brakes a little bit on Strom, but you could use him in a bulk situation in the middle of a game where you've used an opener um, or they might have to go get someone. And Rob Thompson hinted the other day that if they have to go get someone, it's not going to be Christopher Sanchez and it's probably not going to be Klasmeyer. It might be mm-hmm. someone off the roster so get to know the name Noah Skiro, of all people. Uh, he was a um, – he's in AAA. He pitched in the World Baseball Classic for Canada. He's pitched okay in AAA. He got knocked around uh, on Tuesday, I think it was. But he's pitched okay. Could be a guy who gets called up and added to the roster at some point here to maybe help uh, get them through. But I, I don't know ultimately what the long-term – I think the long-term answer is the fifth starter is not here. It's either Andrew Painter in the second wow. half if he's healthy or it's a trade around the deadline, but it's May. How do you get from now until the deadline? Yeah, so great question. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you, what, what's the plan with Painter? Like what, what are the steps? What, what are ultimately, what's their objective for him this season? Their objective is for him to pitch for them, but late in the year. Um, you know, I think they're going to go slow. Um, I think they're going to continue to be deliberate. So he's back in Clearwater. He was here last week for a check-in with the doctors. I'm told everything went well. They think everything is on the right course, but they're also not going to like all of a sudden put their foot on the accelerator here and, you know, rush him back and, and, and all of that. It's, he's too valuable at age 20 with his arm uh, to risk something um, happening. So he's going to continue to throw. He's in like a playing catch progression right now. And then that progresses to like, like more long toss, which progresses to bullpens, which progresses to live BP to then he'll go to the minor leagues and well, stay in the minor leagues and he'll. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, it's, we had the same issue. Uh, I'm, I'm confident we'll get Scott back up shortly. Yeah. Just a, a little, little, little bust up there, Gunner, uh, for sure. Um, I think we got him back. There you go. Scott, well, you, you just froze for a second. No, no biggie, man. You, yeah. You scared Gunner, but we're good. It's time it's okay. to, uh, time to upgrade the, the uh, internet connection, uh, here, <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, you know, like I said, it's going to be deliberate. So they'll right. follow the steps, catch play, uh, which is what he's doing now. And then, you know, bullpen session, live BP in a minor league game. And, you know, if they can get him back sometime around July, uh, maybe even early August, it could feel like a trade deadline addition in some sort of a role, whether it's as a starter or, you know, a kind of X factor piece out of the bullpen, they're, they're hoping he'll factor in at some point, but they need to get him there first. Gotcha. Hey, hey Scott, what, what do you think has been the, the, the problem in terms of Nola and, you know, Wheeler not leveling out? They, they, they look like those dominant pitchers one game and then they don't the next game or they play, they, they, they pitch well, but then it's always one inning. They have that one inning, where, where things unravel for him? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think it's a really uh, hard one to answer because the game's changing this year. Like you guys see it, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm not saying that like 
good starting pitchers, there's not going to still be good starting pitchers. But Mm -hmm. I think it's a little hard for some of these guys, not just Wheeler and Nola, to get through a start as cleanly as they did before. Because innings have had a tendency to snowball, not just on them, on other – I mean, look at what the Phillies did in April, the the night they faced Sandy Alcantara, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they scored like nine runs off of him in one inning, and it really just kind of like – and it was all with two outs, and it just seemed to all unravel on him. I think it's just a lot harder for these guys to regroup sometimes. And so a big inning might look a little bit bigger uh, than it has in the past. I think that they've sort of leveled off. Uh, quite a bit Nolan Wheeler like on your list of concerns I still don't think that they're all that high but I also think that Mm. um that it's taken them some time to figure that out it's also you know I I do think that there is a world series or long playoff run hangover for pitchers because uh they've got to prepare for a season a little bit differently than they would if they were home at the beginning of October than if they pitched a month later so all of Mm. these things factor in but, you know, again, I think that they're getting better. They're getting closer to looking like the pitchers we know them to be. And um, if if Suarez can kind of get into the flow of things now, then they'll have three. And then if they can figure out Taiwan Walker, you know, this is where the rotation should – you should feel good about it, right? Because Suarez is finally back, and they've got four out of their five. And, okay, five is going to be a thing for a little while, and they'll have to – that's a big question. How do they get through every fifth day? But – Okay, whatever. That's that's a, a problem that, like I, like I said, a lot of teams face. Um, but you know, the rotation is still taking some time to get steady, and Wheeler and Nola are part of that. Scott, last one for me. Um, he's been awesome since he came back uh, at the plate. There's no question. Uh, what's the plan with Bryce Harper in terms of first base? Is there a timeline? What's he been doing? What's he allowed to do? What are his restrictions? So he's still doing like the every other day uh workout at first base and it's 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 a real like i've seen him do it it's a longer workout uh he's out there he's taking ground balls he's working on footwork uh he's working on holding runners um they work about a half hour every other day and put him through it and and all of that really the one thing he is not doing is throwing to bases you know or really letting loose on a throw he plays catch every day uh from a greater distance um I look, it's Bryce Harper, right? So he, I got to believe he's going to be back playing defense before any of us think he's going to be back playing defense. Cause this is what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of a Martian in that situation, right? Like he's, he's not a normal human being, but yeah. it is also Tommy John surgery and throwing is the part of Tommy John surgery. That is the last real hurdle to clear. Uh, if he had to go play the outfield, if DH wasn't an option, he wouldn't be back yet. So um, I, you know, and then the last thing you want is to rush him back to the field and then he blows it out. And now you don't even have him at the plate. So I do think that they are going to, uh, be more, um, uh, be more deliberate with the throwing progression than they were with anything else. But, you know, who knows? I mean, they're not putting a, I mean, I've asked him about it. He's not offering up a, a date. I mean, we found out later on, right. That he circled May 1st in his mind after he had the surgery to come back and hit. So I'm sure he has a goal in mind, whether it's the all-star break, whether it's um, just after that, I'm not sure what it is, but uh, he also is very mindful of the fact that the last thing you want to do is uh, say, you know, is, is ramp up your throwing before the, the ligament. I mean, there, there is a, there is an anatomical aspect to this, right? Like you have this surgery, you just can't throw before a certain time. So, um, 
the fact that he's playing catch, uh, I think, is right right in line with what I've heard from most position players. You hear a lot of times, like six months maybe before they really start to throw uh, with a lot of force. So he's getting closer to the six-month mark. I could see it being right around the all-star break. And think about how much it'll free them up, because if he can play first base, now Schwarber can DH. You can do some things in left field. Um, one thing they do have in the minor leagues is a depth of center fielders. Uh, Muziotti has played well in AAA. Johan Rojas has played well in AA. Pache is on the IL right now, but he'll be back. So they can do some things with some defense in the outfield if they had a spot to do it in. Um, it, it could just free them up to do a lot of different things, become a little bit of a better defensive team, and um, you know maybe help them out that way. Yeah. All right, Scott, before I let you go, I need you, I need you to talk my man Rob Ellis off the ledge because he's, <laughs> he's concerned about Kyle Schwarber um, hitting what a buck 70, whatever the heck he yeah. is. Yeah. This is the same guy who had 46 home runs last year, 200 strikeouts. The highest, his highest batting average was 291 when he was in Boston, but he only played in 41 games. We've right. historically seen so many big boppers who hit 40, 45 home runs, but have a 230, 240 batting average. Will you please explain to him he's just going to have to accept Schwarber for what he is? All right, let he's me just say hit this. it over the fence, or he's going to strike out. Okay, That's or he's going to walk, or he's going to walk. Or he's going to walk. Gonna walk. Yeah. All right, Scott, he's but the only thing I would say, and I I hear Gunner. I, I am on the ledge too much of him. Uh, he's right. No <laughs> argument. But does it have to be these extremes all the time? I, I mean, I thought with the ship being lifted, 230? I'm not asking much. 175? And I know he's typically a slow start. All right, sorry. Here you go. Rob, I'll let you I'll let you walk to the ledge on June 30th. Or even let's say June 20th. A month. If if we're into yeah. June, like June is Schwarber's month, right? True. Like his first name should be June. Yes. June is his month. So if he gets into June and and it's more of the same. I'll I'll step away and let you go to the ledge and do whatever you want. But like this was where he was last year, I think. True. I don't yes. know if it was as bad as 175 or whatever it is today, but um, yeah. this was kind of where it was last yeah. year. So, and he was leading off last year. True. At 175 or 180. Right. So, you know, I think I think we got to let it get into June. We got to let the weather warm up. We got to let Schwarber be Schwarber. Okay. And if he's still not Schwarber in June, well, then we can talk because fair. then maybe we got something to worry about. All right, fair. All right. That's very pragmatic. Unfortunately, okay. I'm not all the time. Um, <laughs> Scott, great stuff. And again, oh, uh, I tell everybody, check out your your work because I, I love the, the piece today with Nebraska. I know you just awesome put something story. out with Trey yeah. Turner. But you can check it out on, on uh, Scott's Twitter handle, at Scott Lauber, and, of course, theinquirer.com as well. He's the Phillies and MLB reporter he does a great job scott thanks for a couple minutes man we really thank do appreciate, you, appreciate it. it thanks guys anytime all right take all right, care take scott care, all right yeah. gunner let's get a timeout in and let's you're right you're, you're right okay? fair you're enough okay now? yeah i'm good i'm good all right okay. feel a little bit better um we'll come back and uh <laughs> nfl we'll set our sights on the nfl we'll look at our afc power rankings one through five we will yeah i agree with big sills here uh it, for for people who are old enough to remember he has a lot of dave kingman in him that's a true. Lot of it is the, true. The, the one distinction is Schwarber's very good in a clubhouse. Dave Kingman was not very good in no, a clubhouse. No, but there are their games are very similar. How many not years did Mark McGuire hit for high average? True. Yeah, true. Now you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I, I, 
Yes. Oh, great one. <laughs> so we'll do our AFC rankings and we'll do our most vulnerable division winners. Who could take a step back from being a first place team last year? We'll do all those things. When we come back, don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Time to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They are experts at trimming all types of trees. They serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. They actually specialize in full tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. Now, keep in mind, we're having great weather right now. It's a good time to get your trees evaluated before some of the nasty stuff starts hitting in the summer with the winds and the heavy rains. Go to their Facebook or Instagram page for a sampling of their work or more information. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was, it, was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. 
Welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out. Uh, the birthday week celebration continues uh, for Derek as he turns yes, 29 once again. Congratulations yes. on that. Yes, yes. You you have, keep, keep saying that. You have keep pulled that feed off uh, to repeat that there. age. Congrats. Uh, impressive. All right, so a couple things, Derek, NFL-wise. One, uh, looks like Super Bowl uh, 60, which we're, we've just completed 57. Super Bowl 60, which will hit in 2026, will be held in San Francisco at the 49ers uh, Stadium in Santa Clara, I believe is where it is. It is but Santa that, Clara, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's where they're targeting for, for that year. You know, it's funny, that, that stadium was panned a lot when it first opened. People weren't thrilled about it. the turf was got knocked, the, the traffic getting there. It's pretty far haul from San Francisco. People didn't like that necessarily. I don't know if things have changed. Or the league is just saying, hey, we're having it here. Deal with it. Like, this is what it is. Could be well, it, it, it's a nice stadium, but the first time I was in that stadium, the one thing that caught my eye was in one of the end zones, they have this platform where they have a TV camera sets up and it blocks the view of X amount of people behind them. Oh. So if I'm paying good money, first of all, you're in an end zone seat, so it's not a great not yeah, a great you, because it's coming to you, right? You, yeah, anything yeah. that's far away looks like it's it's like yeah. ten football fields from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then you got a camera. You're trying to look around a camera platform to watch the action. I'm not paying that kind of money. Um, and somebody's going to get jobbed in terms of paying. You know how exorbitant the the Super Bowl ticket prices are. Can right. you imagine being in a, a visitor for the first time and realizing I got to watch the game behind this, or either on a jumbotron? I could have stayed at home and watched this game. So, but it's it's a nice stadium. It's in a great area. Santa Clara is a great city. Uh, where the stadium is located is wide open access. The infrastructure is not bad at all. Um, you, you're far away. You're like 45 minute drive away from San Francisco if you really wanted to see San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how much there is in terms of ambiance around the Santa Clara area. You know, you're a ways away from Los Angeles. Um, so you can do some things in Santa Clara, but if you want to enjoy the big life, you got to go to San Francisco North or L.A. South, and that's a little drive. And especially when you're paying that kind of money for rental car, hotels, tickets, right. it can get a little taxing on you. Mm-hmm. But right. it's a warm weather environment. It, you know, at that time of year, it, the weather's decent in the 60s. You know, it's not it's not hot, hot. It's, in, it's not like Miami or Florida. It's decent weather. It's, fo- it's football weather in the 60s. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Makes sense. All right. So that I wanted to pass that along. So they, the Steelers have extended Mitch Trubisky. Now, before you start saying, you know, what, what is this all about? It makes sense. They're, they're doing it to give themselves more cap space, Derek. So um, right. it, it's, it's basically a three-year deal. Um, his original deal ran just through this year and carried right. a $10.6 million cap hit. Uh, so he will make eight million guaranteed in the first year of the deal, and then they just spread out the money over the last two. It just it just makes sense from their standpoint. Um, he'll he'll likely be the backup. I know they resigned Mason Rudolph, but I, I think Trubisky's your backup to pick it. I, I I agree. I mean, when you look at the you look at the poorest backups in the National Football League. He might be one of the better ones, as yeah. strange as it sounds. He's fine you know, as a backup. Yeah, he's fine there in that role. It's Kenny Pickett's team. Um, you know, you, you got to have some kind of veteran presence behind you. You, you can't have a situation like San Francisco did. They go from a young player like, a, uh, you know, after Garoppolo goes down, they go from, to, from a young player like Trey Lance to the last pick of the draft in, in a Brock Purdy. 
Right. You know, no team wants to be in that situation, especially if you have a team that can possibly contend for a playoff spot. You know, Trubisky is what he is. You know, he I think his better days are behind him in Chicago. Uh, but I think he serves the purpose of what they need. Somebody with a veteran presence who can be a stabilizing factor when push comes to shove in games. Yeah, and, and I think if – look, if he, if he and his agent are being real with themselves, he has an yeah. opportunity to stick around for 10 more years, make a nice yeah, check, yeah. you know, and be set for life. And, and there are worse things in the world, man, you know, even if you're not a starter. I'm telling you, you know, if you're making, if you're making 8 to $10 million a year sitting on a bench holding a clipboard and giving ideas, mm-hmm. and that's a great life to have, man, yep. you know. Yeah, yeah, your body's not going to be cooked no. when you get done either, yeah. As much as you want to play, I get that, but still. The bottom line is you're still making a seven-figure income holding the clipboard. Enjoy yep. it while you can. <laughs> well said. All right, we, we didn't get a chance to get to this because we weren't uh, we were off last week, uh, and, and you know this is in, in more of a serious nature, but I think it's something that deserves to be discussed. So Matt Ariza, who was the punter out of San Diego State, who the Bills drafted last year, who yeah. they consequently cut because there were rape allegations. Well, so um, he, he was not charged in, in in the rape case, right? Witness says that he wasn't even there yeah. uh, when when the when everything went down. Um, so and, and San Diego State concluded today that there are no findings against him uh, after conducting an investigation into into rape and, and gang rape charges. Okay, the, the story's awful, and what the young woman went through, everything's terrible on a million levels. But it seems as though Derek, there was no crime committed by this guy. Now he's out there. Nobody has re-signed him or, or signed him since Buffalo cut him. Right. You know, I, I do wonder if you're a team like the Eagles, you know, if you've really done the background checks, like we trust the Eagles are very good at, do you give this guy a chance? I, I would. He's been cleared. He's got a booming leg. Why would you? I understand the hesitancy from some teams not touching him yet because of the, the the backlash that it could bring, even though his name has been cleared. Yep. Um, but the Eagles, once they brought in Michael Vick, and that was a hot topic for a long time, and even when he got here, and how many people talked about, I'm not going to another game as long as Michael Vick's wearing an Eagles uniform. And even members, even members in our field said that they – didn't want to cover the team or they wanted to disassociate themselves with the Eagles as long as Michael Vick was here. But, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and and those guys, they did their background check on him and they brought him here. So after going through the Michael Vick thing, this Ariza thing is is nothing to them if they decide. I know you would love to see him here because of your affection with Sippos. I get it. Um, But I think there's no need to rush and do it now. You know, you could bring him in in August, you know, Oh, agreed. To, agreed. You know. Yeah. And there may be, there may be some kind of, Hey, just, we, you know, we, when camp starts, you know, we, we got you. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but that's certainly, I would just tell Eagles fans, just keep that, you know, keep that thought in mind because I don't think it's out of the question, especially he's been, if their witnesses are saying he wasn't there, if he's cleared from a criminal investigation, he's cleared by the school. He's essentially been cleared in every single way for whatever it's worth. I have no idea exactly what went on that night, but see, see, I wouldn't be surprised now if he files a lawsuit for defamation of character, True, you know, against, uh, against the girl, against the school, Mm -hmm. because it cost him a career, basically temporarily. It cost him a lot of money, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, by normal lifestyle standards, standards, not by high price NFL standards, but you know, it cost him. 
So mm-hmm. will he fire, f- file a lawsuit against San Diego State University and, and, and the young lady who, who filed charges against him as well? You know, um, that remains to be seen. But I do believe that he will be back on somebody's NFL roster this year. Now that all of this has been put to rest, I don't think teams are as hesitant now because of the backlash and the unwanted um, attention they would get from a situation like this that was that could have still been hovering at this point. No question. All right, so I, I wanted to hit you with this. I thought this was interesting. I was reading NFL.com today, and they had a piece uh, where, where essentially they looked at each division winner, Derek, in each yep. conference and, and posed the question, essentially, who's the most vulnerable? In other words, who's the team that's going to could take a step back this year? Yeah. Okay. Let me run. I'll run through the AFC with you first. Okay. Yep. And and you tell me which team you think could be one that takes a step backwards. So uh, Bills won the AFC East. Yep. Bengals won the North. Jags won the South. Yep. Chiefs, as we know, won the West. Okay. So yep. they're, your, they're your four teams. Of those four, which one in your estimation is most likely to take a step back? Buffalo. Okay. Buffalo. Because of the division um, that they're in and how, yes. how much better it's gotten? Yes. Jets adding Rodgers. Look at the collection of players he's playing with, both on offensive defense. Uh, Tua, when he's healthy, Tua had a great season. Look at the weapons Tua has down there. And they weren't afraid of, of Buffalo, I believe. They had a defense too, Gunner. They had defense. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe they split with Buffalo this right. past year. Right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. So – um, let's see. I'm looking at, okay. They beat Buffalo in September and they, they lost. So they beat Buffalo by, by two and they only lost to Buffalo in Buffalo by three right? Uh, in December. So I, I think those two teams could put a, could put a, a severe crimp in Buffalo's dominance in the, in the AFC East. Um, we, Josh Allen didn't play the way he played under Dayball. He played well. Right. but didn't play the way he played under Dayball. They've lost free agents. Um, Devin Singleton, I believe, is gone also. They're running back. They're star running back. So I think Buffalo is very susceptible to being knocked off their pedestal. I'll tell you, the other thing about that's interesting about Buffalo, just to add to, to yeah. that, and I didn't realize this until I started really reading the uh, the Leslie Frazier story. So Leslie Frazier stepped away um, for just this year. He, wants, he intends to come back. Yep. He also wants to be a head coach, and he's going to this NFL Accelerator Academy. Yep. Which which helps uh, helps guys you know in that role, but the offshoot of that is Sean McDermott's the defensive coordinator this year. Yes, yes. You know that's not that he hasn't ha- done that. Obviously, he knows defense. That's his calling card. But that's a lot, man, on him. And that's this is a critical year for them. That those Bills. Well, if you're going to go down swinging, you want to go down doing things the way you want to do it. And, True. you know, even though, you know, McDermott and Frazier have a really good relationship, um, this is on him now. And Sean knows it. You know, they've fallen short two years in a row to, the, to what a lot of people thought would have been a Super Bowl destination. So now this is all on him. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it more pressure on him? Yes. More responsibilities on him? Absolutely. But because he's so well-versed on defense, I think it's a natural for him. And maybe he saw some things in Leslie's defensive scheme and concepts that he didn't like, but he did make waves because of their relationship. So now he can tweak and do whatever he wants to play his style of defense, especially knowing he's got to look over his shoulder now. It's, it's a strange to see that he went 13-3 and three last year, and he's got to look over his shoulder 
you know, you got one of the top quarterbacks in the league. You got a great offense, but you got to look over your shoulder because you haven't gotten anywhere near where you people thought you were going to go. Tough business. Um, All right. If there, if there were any, like to me, I still think Bengals, I still would considering how weak the South is. I still think Jags, uh, you know, I, and I, I don't see anybody knocking the Chiefs. I I think the other three are, are poised in pretty good shape to still take their divisions. I agree. I think, I think when you look at the West in particular, that division is going to be interesting again. You know, uh, you look at the quarterbacks at the Chargers, you know, Garoppolo's now calling the shots with the Raiders. Raiders went out, spent some money on defense. I think the most intriguing team in that defense, in that division is Denver because of Sean Payton's presence. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton with Russell Wilson, those offensive weapons, a really good defense. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that Denver falls flat on his face again the way they did last year and end up 5-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Denver by any stretch of the imagination is over is going to overtake Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes for the top spot in the division, but I don't expect Denver to finish at the bottom the way they did. But with that said, who falls? Is it the Chargers? Is it the Raiders? You know, everybody can't finish at the top. Sure. All four teams have good good teams, good personnel. Somebody's going to take somebody's going to be the step the step ladder, yeah. the bottom rung of the step ladder in that division. Mm-hmm. I, look, I still think the Raiders are, are last of that grouping, uh, you know, until proven otherwise. I, I think they're last. Yep. yep. Uh, well, all right, let's jump over then. Let's jump to the uh, to the NFC. Of course, in the East, we have the Eagles. In the North, we have the Vikings. In the South, we have the Bucks. In the West, we have the 49ers. This, this conference overall is more vulnerable. Like, I certainly yep. – I don't see the Bucks winning that division 100%. No. And I also think that Detroit could overtake uh, the Vikings for sure. You and I think alike, my friend. This is exactly what I'm thinking. I think New Orleans, Atlanta, or Atlanta are going to win that that South, and I think Detroit is going to put a lot of pressure on Minnesota, and I think Detroit is going to emerge as the best team. Um, you know, Detroit scored the second most, <laughs> what the third most points in the NFC. And they, yeah. they they didn't really take off until the second half of the season. Right. Now that they have a full season, you know, in the direction they're going, I expect Detroit, and I've said it recently, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it in August and September. I'm picking Detroit to win that division. You know, if they stay healthy, you know, they've got good coaching. They believe in the coach. They've made some personnel changes. They've made some great additions. I, did, I think Detroit is the team in that division to beat, you know. And so when it comes to the NFC North and the South, I think we're going to have a changing in the guard, no question about it, in those divisions. Yeah, I mean, that that's easy. I mean, you look at the South. I, first of all, I don't think the Bucks are good, period. But if you look at the South and the way that plays out, I think it's New Orleans. And, and I think, look, Carolina and Atlanta are really intriguing teams to me. Who, who, right, could, right. who could definitely fight it out there uh, to be maybe – Maybe a last wild card. I mean, if Desmond Ritter plays well, there's talent on that team. No question. There's talent at receiver. They added B. John Robinson. They did a lot on the defensive side to to improve. Uh, I think Atlanta's a dangerous team, man. They spent like $200 million in free agency on defense alone this offseason. Yep. You know, no matter how you spread it out, the numbers add up to like $200 million. So they ain't, they ain't playing around right now. You know, you look at the running back they're adding down there. Uh, it's Ritter show, no question about it. Um, I think if I'm if you if you twist my arm and ask me to pick a division winner, I'm going to start with New Orleans with Derek Carr. Now Derek Carr has failed you know, failed to do what a lot of people thought he could do. 
in in Oakland or Vegas. Mm-hmm. He puts up to me. I hate to say this. He's kind of like a Kurt a Kurt Cousins. He puts up these great regular season numbers, but they mean nothing after yeah. that. Yeah. But now he's down there, and he's got a great collection of weapons, great defensive personnel. If push comes to shove, right now as we sit here today, New Orleans is my favorite um, to win that division. No question. I want. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Uh, if if the only thing I wonder, I wonder a little bit. I, I'm just not sold. I guess. Um, on Dennis Allen as a coach, but well, I guess in fairness, he hasn't had much of a quarterback situation. He's got a much, you know, bigger step up uh, right, from, right. Know, with, with Carr there. That's for sure. Okay. So last yesterday we did our NFC rankings, you know, one through five yep. top to bottom today. We do AFC Derek. Um, I, well, you, you know what? I'll go first today. You went first yesterday. That way you, yep. you get the final word here on this. Let's one. see. Let's see how we, let's see how we think. We, we are. We yeah. Are, we, we're, we're always in Senate yeah, we, you and I are insane when it comes to these yes. rankings. It's weird how, how close. And we never, ever, I promise you, folks, we never share it with each other. We no, just we do don't. It on our own. All right, so uh, let, let's go. We'll go one through five. Okay. Pretty easy to just say Chiefs again, and I'm just going to say Chiefs again because uh, yeah. I haven't seen any kind of roster fall off. They lost like a Juju Smith-Schuster, but they've added pieces, uh, you know, to upgrade those positions in yeah. my estimation. And Mahomes is still young. Andy Reid is still a guy who's evolving, you know, with his play calling and his creativity and his scheming and all that. So and they didn't lose these Bagnola. They have most of their coaches still in staff. Brent Beach is still there. I'll take Chiefs number one. I, I think the Bengals are the second best team in the AFC. Um, okay. You know, when you're talking about Joe Burrow, when you're talking about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and an improved offensive line and a defense that doesn't get enough credit uh, and a team that has gone deep into playoffs. Yep. It's really just a matter of if Burrow stays healthy, I think they absolutely challenge the Chiefs. Um, you know, and they've given the Chiefs all they could ask. Yes, they have over the last couple of years. So I, I'll put them two, but if the Chiefs have any kind of Super Bowl hangover, the Bengals can vault into one as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Uh, three, I I go Bills, and I say this look, simply because I still think there's too much talent there. And I still like Sean McDermott a lot as a head coach. Yep. I, and I think if I believe Josh Allen, what he said, because he didn't give us the usual, yeah, yeah, we all got to be better. No, he took like personal accountability and, and he specifically said, I got to be better in the red zone mm-hmm. and I got to take care of the ball better. Okay, good. I like hearing that. I'll buy that if that's the case. I take the Bills three. <sighs> Here's where I struggled four and five. Okay. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to give too much too fast to the Jags, but I'm going to in this case. They mm. add a, they add a Calvin Ridley um, to an offense that I already think is pretty good. I, I the, the strides that Trevor Lawrence took last year were enormous. I, I'm buying him. I, I really am, and I'm buying their defense. I, I like Doug in that in that second year. It's you, it, second year the Eagles won a Super Bowl with Doug. I think they have a cakewalk at the, of a division, which will help them greatly to build up wins. They were nine and eight last year and got in. They were the only team above 500 in the South. So I, I still think the South is pretty weak. They'll beat up on that group. So I have them at four. I put the dolphins at five simply because, and, and this is really a hundred percent based on Tua's health. If Tua stays healthy, they're good. They're really good. And I think McDaniel really knows how to cater to his strengths, which is this quick, zip, 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 get it out fast passing game. Let Tyreek Hill do his thing. Let Waddle do his thing. Um, you know, utilize your backs out of the backfield. 
and they're good on defense and they've added defensive players. So that's my five there. I, I okay. gave great consideration to the jets with Aaron Rodgers because I think they're very dangerous. That is a dangerous team as far as I'm concerned, but what do you got? Well, we are on the same page three out of five, my friend. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, my number one is Kansas city. What they did last year um, is one of the greatest success stories, I think in, in pro football in terms of rebuilding that, that defense and the defense not being a total liability. Yeah. It was nowhere near a shutdown defense. It was not even a dominant defense. It was an opportunistic defense with a bunch of kids. They put a lot of trust in a bunch of kids, especially on the back end of that defense to help get them through, and they won 17 out of 20 games, mm -hmm. obviously because of Mahomes and that offense. But Andy Reid also showed you they can put anybody in that offense at the skill positions and succeed. Running backs by committee. They picked up three receivers off the street. They were nowhere near what Tyreek Hill was, but they were efficient in that offense. And in the second half of that football, they were money. Those guys were money. They made the big catches, got open. They had an Eagles defense on his heels the whole game. Mm -hmm. So Kansas City, to me, is definitely number one. Cincinnati, over the last few years, and the way they've drafted and the free agents they've bought, brought in, have done a phenomenal job into building that team into a respected Super Bowl contender every year. From the quarterbacks to the wide receivers, tight end, and the defensive personnel they had. And you're right. If Kansas City is sleeping, Cincinnati can easily leapfrog over them, as they did a couple of years ago, and then as they just came close to doing this past season. Mm -hmm. My number three team is the Jets. You had Buffalo. I put the Jets there. Okay. Rob Asala's defense is going to be another dominant defense as it was. The thing that held them back the most is that they had nobody to leave that off, lead that offense. Right. Now you bring in the diva among divas in Aaron Rodgers. Say what you want to say about him, and I do, about him personal as uh, personality-wise. But even at this stage of his life, his career, he still has one of the most accurate arms and one of the strongest arms in the NFL. Yep. And he's motivated because now he has – the best collection of pass catchers he's ever had. He's never had come close to having this kind of collection of pass catchers he had in Green Bay. Mm -hmm. What he has at his disposal right now. I think the Jets, as you put it, is going to be a very dangerous team. My number four team is Buffalo. Buffalo is my team in the AFC that's on the hot seat. Sean McDermott knows it. Buffalo knows they've fallen on their faces two years in a row. They have that proverbial chip on their shoulder. They got to go out and do it. Trying to get past Kansas City and Cincinnati is not going to be easy. But they, they know Buff Buffalo's a good team, but they got a long way to go. Right. My number five team is Miami. If Tua stays healthy after watching what he did last year with those weapons, bombs away, big strike offense, good defensive personnel, Miami's going to be a good team. The big question mark is, can you keep Tua upright and in the huddle and not on the sidelines and concussion protocol? That's a huge question that will only be answered as the season unwinds. Teams I really struggled with, I had Jacksonville as my number five earlier today, and I took them out and put Miami. But when I look at Jacksonville, Chargers, Cleveland, Baltimore, Raiders, Denver, of teams that have a lot of potential but have a lot of question marks. I do think Jacksonville will win that division again, but can they go any deeper in the playoffs when you look at the five teams ahead of them that I just mentioned and the teams that you just mentioned? I don't know if they're ready for that yet. Doug Doug Peterson has that team going in the right direction. Great personnel on both sides of the football, but he's got to get over those landmines of Kansas City, Cincinnati, Jets, Buffalo, Miami.
Yeah, and sometimes reality sets in on those teams that make those yeah, big pushes yeah, that do. first year, and teams yeah, adjust. Do. And and you know we're going to see if Trevor Lawrence can make the adjustments that he needs to make, you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, back yeah. to back to Rodgers and the Jets for a minute. I also think too, like he's heard all the stuff we've thrown his way, the diva sure. stuff and all sure. that, and we know that. You know, that dude kind of feeds off of that kind of I, – I, I really he believe he wants to – and he wants to show Green Bay and he wants to show everybody I'm still Aaron Rodgers. Yep. He, he is going to be highly motivated. Uh, and they're going to have a lot of primetime games. Like, let's real quick, Derek, let's look at the Jets' schedule here. And you can tell yep. me. Okay? Yep. So they have Buffalo coming out of the shoot. They're the very first game of the season. That's yep. Thursday night. Huge uh, statement uh, game. Oh, no, so Monday night. Sorry, Monday night. Huge statement yep. game, right? At home. At home, Buffalo. That that's to show everybody we're the we're the team to be contended with here in this division. Yep. But then they go to Dallas. It's not gonna be easy. Yep. They get New England at home. They got Kansas City at home. They go to Denver. Yep. They got the Eagles by week at the Giants. Not that it's a hard travel thing, but that's a good team. Um, Chargers home. That you know, up until if you just take it like one through seven there to the Giants game, that's sure. a pretty hard shoot to start, no, start out of the shoot there. No question. But I, I look at the personnel that Aaron Rodgers has. You have Reese Hall coming back from a knee injury, and Michael Carter is your running backs. You've got Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Miko Hartman, who they got from Kansas City. Right. You've got old man Randall Cobbs, who's still a decent slot receiver, Denzel Mims. You got Tyler Conk- Conklin and CJ Lazama as your tight ends. You have everything you need to succeed. And not only is Aaron Rodgers motivated, but his teammates are motivated because they knew they had the talent. They just didn't have a quarterback. Now you have a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback quarterback in your team. This team is going to be jacked up, motivated. Do they have a tough schedule? Arguably the toughest first seven games, as you just mentioned, as anybody in the National Football League. But they now have the pieces to combat on equal playing on an equal playing field now, and, and I think they can navigate that if they keep those pieces healthy. Solace defense now with and Nathaniel Hackett back with his buddy Aaron Rodgers on offense. Dude, what else could the Jets want to change the to change the, the the mindset and the 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 culture of that locker room? We, I'll tell you what, we might look back. Um, at that 2022 Jets draft, Derek, mm-hmm. as one of the best we've seen over the last 25 years. Absolutely. I, I mean, Absolutely. if you look at it, um, you know, you go Sauce Gardner, who who is already you know in the top three in terms of elite corners, defensive rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson, stud. Now that he's got Aaron Rodgers, look out. Offensive rookie of the year. Yep. Brees Hall, who was on his way to a huge season but got hurt. He was the set he was in the second round. I I like Jermaine Johnson, who didn't do a ton for them, uh, who was a defensive lineman out of Florida State. Yep. I think he'll step up. Like those top four are all I think gonna be three of them at least are home runs, and we'll see about the fourth. It's the kind of franchise altering draft that that teams have from time to time, and it feels like that's one of them. And you look at the kid, Jermaine. I mean, he he got lost in the shuffle when he was at Georgia. He goes to goes to Florida State, and he's what the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in one year. Yeah. So the potential's there. You know, they've done a great job drafting over the last couple of years. You know, they really have. The, again, the only thing they were missing is they 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 miscalculated the quarterback situation. 
Mike White was decent for them, gave them a spark, then he gets hurt. Well, he's not there anymore. So what do you need? We need a definitive signal caller to get us through this. And they went out and got, did he give up a lot to get him? Yeah, they did. Not as much as Denver gave up to get uh, Russell from Seattle. No. But the Jets gave up. They mortgaged their immediate future for this one moment in, in, in time to change the culture of that team and to make a significant push in the AFC East and the playoffs. And they got a dude that can flat out sling it. When he's focused and playing on top of his game, he can still sling it. Yeah, and I, and I think t- like if you're the if you're the Jets, you're backing on the Tom Brady thing that that Rodgers can get you. Yeah, let's say to like forty three, and if that's the case, look, f- three four years in the NFL is an eternity. If you really feel like you're that mm-hmm. good, so why not roll the dice a little bit? It's they're really the Jets know better than anybody else after drafting Zach Wilson at number two overall. Yeah. How hard it is yes. to find that guy. You know, I don't know if Rodgers will stick around until he's in in his early 40s. I mean, he may be out on his peyote farm by then. But I think they have at least a two-year window to make some hay in AFC. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, let's uh, let's Uh, step aside and let's come back uh, with our final segment. We'll we'll hit the NBA game last night where the Nuggets go up 2-0 over the Lakers. We get game two tonight of the Celtics and the Heat. Uh, we had a four-overtime game last night in the yeah, NHL. Yeah. So we'll discuss that as well. Gunner, some, uh, I got a good on-this date for you. And uh, for a mere $128,000, you can sit courtside uh, in, oh, in yeah. the NBA. Oh, yeah. That's all. Just pocket change. you know. So we'll, we'll discuss chump, that. We have chump change. Yeah. Chump change. We got birthdays. We got movies. All that good stuff. So don't leave. Uh, we got you for the final segment. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Jacob Sports YouTube Network. All right, let's discuss data estate, and that is for Razor Technology. Data is everywhere in business today, but when it's locked away in silos, it can't be efficiently used, and businesses don't have time to wait for the insights that shape decision-making. Razor Technology's data management not only integrates data from wherever it's generated or collected, but provides a uniform structure for storing, interpreting, and distributing it to decision-makers. Razor helps businesses transform and model their data use it to populate real-time dashboards and create shareable reports that highlight key areas of progress as well as warning signs in need of attention. Smart data analytics and the tool to make data insights easily digestible help businesses of all sizes and types discover where they could be untapping significant savings. Razor technology can help you break down your silos and fully realize the value of your data to drive growth for your business. To learn more, contact Razor Tech today at 866-797-3282. That's 866-797-3282. Or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Yes, we are. He is Derek. I am Rob. We are hanging out with you on this Friday. Hope you're doing well out there, my friends. All right. So, Gunner, um, this is interesting. Uh, and I know this is uh, this is right up your alley. Um, okay. Because you, know, you like to watch the games and, you know, in, in the comfort of your own home. But maybe, just maybe, mm-hmm. if you're willing to fork over a couple of coins, uh, you could do the same thing. You know, it's not far for you to hop on the train or drive down to Washington, D.C. to watch a Wizards game. No, I could drive and be there in the buck 45. Okay, there you go. So if you get yourself courtside lofts, okay, courtside lofts, which is, you know, VIP seating yep. for the Wizards game. I mean, all it's going to cost you, Derek, is is $128,000. I mean, no big deal. Oh, that's you know, it? Just, yeah, that's yeah. All? no biggie. Oh man, I make that in a day. It's all good. Yeah, you're good. So here, here's the way it works. It will include a table seating up to six people each. Yep. Uh, the, the seat holders will get VIP benefits. They also get a complimentary five course fine dining menu. There will uh, only be only sixty people per game in that section. Okay. Five course. Five course. Wow. wow. Yes. Let's and, see. And, the, the Wizards claim, yeah, right. Main the, course, dessert. <laughs> What's the other two courses? Okay, so you go appetizers, appetizers, main course, main course, several, maybe several options of a main course, and dessert, and dessert. 
maybe three, three main courses. I don't know. Jeez. Uh, beverages of your choice, I guess, I would assume. I don't know. But according to the Wizards, um, yep. in a press release sent out by their senior VP of tickets, Bill Haney, uh, we know Washington, D.C. is a market that values premium hospitality and exclusive experiences. And as an organization, we strive to provide the best possible experience for all premium seat ticket holders. Demand for Wizards VIP seating products has, products has far outpaced inventory for several years. And we are thrilled to be able to introduce this u- new and unique game experience to our fans. So there you go. Well, you know, you, you're in an area where you got a lot of big money. Washington is an expensive place to live. I mean, plus, you're catering to Virginia, a lot of money in Virginia, Baltimore, a lot of money in Baltimore. So you got a lot of big money. You know, something like that might not work in like Buffalo. If you had teams like Buffalo, Cleveland, I mean, you know, yeah. you know Green Bay. You know. But whoever does this, it's a great tax write off for them. True. Because you know it's going to be an entertainment format. If a corporation buys that, what are they going to do? You're going to take your best clients, show them a good time. Now, you're not obviously there to watch the Wizards play because they stink. So you're not there to watch them. So you take them there to see a Lakers game, a Boston, Bucks, Miami game. You know, it's a great night out for, for clients, you know, occasionally for your family. But the more clients you take off, you take out, the bigger write-off it is. See what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I, a hundred percent, I hundred percent. It does make sense from that see, standpoint. See, pay, space person, uh, space person, you're exactly right. My man Derek Gunn is a hustler, baby. He That's is. Right. I'm all yes. about the Benjamins, man. I'm thinking the wheels are always turning, dude. Because you know what? <laughs> I I hang out with people that know how to get tax write offs. Uh huh. Yeah, know? I got you. And, and so I, you know, you, you're right. You, I appreciate you acknowledging that, man. You, you, <laughs> you're so, so true, though. You know what no, I mean? It is. It is. But it's, no, it's, 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 a, it's a great tax write off. It's a great night. Yeah. It's a great night. It's a great bring family, friends, uh-huh. clients. I ain't paying 120. I ain't paying 120,000 to watch nothing. I hear you. I hear nothing. you. Nothing. All right. Let me give you a good on this date. You ready, All Derek? Right. 49 years ago. 1974. Okay. Flyers won their first Stanley Cup. Ooh. Okay. First one. First one over the Boston Bruins. They beat the Bruins and then the Buffalo Sabres. 74 was the Bruins. 75 was the Sabres, but they got their first one and still looking for the next one after 1975. Do you have any memorabilia from that 74 championship? Do I have any? I, that's a good question. I used to have a stick. I got to see if I have it in my crawl space. I think I have a hockey stick signed by Bobby Clark. Woo! I I would say of of the four Philadelphia teams, and when I mean not counting the Union and stuff, uh, of the Sixers, Phillies, Flyers, Eagles, I had the least oh. amount of of memorabilia from the Flyers, but. I think I, I'll I'll dig that up this weekend. If I have it, I'll display it on uh, on Monday. But I do have a Clarky sign stick. So I, you know, when when you mentioned it, I I think I told you the story when I covered when I covered uh, Pittsburgh sports. Yeah, from 1987 to 97, uh, they were going through a great time. That was when the Pirates won three. You know, you know, yeah, the uh, Bonds years, the Bonds Bonds years, yeah, yeah, Drabig, yeah. Van Slyke. Those years, I covered those years. I covered the Penguins back-to-back Stanley Cup teams. And I got to know a lot of those guys well, you know, going, going on the road with them. Dude, I had a collection of uh, – <clears throat> excuse me. I had two 
Mario Lemieux sticks. Whoa. I had an Ulf Samuelson stick. I had a Rick Tockett stick. Um, I had Tom Barrasso's uh, goalie stick. Um, who else did I have? Um, That's oh, pretty I, impressive right oh, there. I had, um, oh my goodness, he finished his career with Washington, uh, with the Capitals. Ron uh, Francis? No, no, no. Oh, I had Ron Francis stick also. Um, Yager. I had a Yager Yager, Because Yager. Yep. Yager started with the fly, uh, with the Penguins when he, he was did. 18 years old. He did. How many of those sticks do I have now, Rob? Zero. None. It was just lost in the translation when you moved and stuff? Either sold them for not a whole lot, but decent money, or yeah. I gave – I gave I gave the two Lemieux sticks away, and I gave one away to one of my sports producers in Pittsburgh, a young kid named Michael Bennett. He was getting married, nice. and he asked me. He said, "Gunner," he says, "I want to give uh, my wife. My wife is a diehard Penguins fan. I want to give my wife something that's different, off the cuff. Do you think you could get me an autographed Mario Lemieux stick?" Oh wow! And I said, "Piece of cake." But I forgot what happened in, 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 during that sequence. But Lemieux and I were, you know, always first name Gunner. How you doing? You know, Mario. We joking, but I didn't see him over a span of like four or five months, and it was getting close to my man's wedding. And so I said, "Dude, just take this one. I can always get another one." Never got another one. Wow, that's a nice thing, though. Never I mean, I'm sure, one. like, not to say it didn't mean anything to you. Obviously, you had a good relationship with Mario Lemieux, but I'm yeah. sure to that young yeah. lady, that meant yeah. a lot. Oh my god, I'm sure she that thing's was... still displayed in their house to this day. I guarantee oh it. She yeah. probably she probably would have bypassed him and married married Mario if she could. You, you almost know. broke up a marriage with that. I know, with that. Man, you know. Yeah. And I think I about you. I think about opportunities I've had, like to take pictures. Like when I interviewed Muhammad Ali, I never mm. thought about somebody take a picture for me. Yeah. When I interviewed interview Sugar Ray Leonard, somebody take a picture. For me. And you know, I have a lot of friends in this industry that have a lot of great photos, eight by tens. Yeah. You know, sixteen by twenties on their wall of interviewing some great athletes. I never did that for some reason. Derek, I'm you the know. same way it it i know it's more ingrained in people's minds now that we have the phones and it's just easy boop but like i wish like some of the remotes or people i was interviewing i wish i just had taken a second and, and said to somebody hey can you just snap a, a picture while we're doing this right I, and i never right. i just i was so locked in on the task at hand and i regret it i wish i i wish i did think oh like dude that. dude yeah. i got you know if you can see behind me you know i the most definitive thing I have is a baseball collection behind yeah, me. Yeah. And behind me, I got, you know, Sandy Koufax, Nolan Ryan, uh, Pete Rose. Pete Rose mm -hmm. baseball is not worth much because he signs so much at autograph stuff. Right. Uh, I've got a baseball signed by that, by most of the members of that Pirates team that went to three consecutive in, uh, NLCSs, you know, um, who was that? Uh, George Foster, mm -hmm. uh, guys like that. Yeah. Studs. Um, I've got, I've got two Brian Dawkins jerseys, one from Denver, you know, and, and one from the Eagles, uh, you know, game jerseys. He signed them, but then he signed to Derek or Gunner, you know, uh, so they'll never be worth anything. And I just have my, people say, why don't you have them in frames, dude, Brian, you got Brian Dawkins jersey. Yeah. But I, they just, they just put away. Yeah. I don't have stuff displayed. Yeah. Um, I've got a hockey jersey. Uh, game hockey jersey. Uh, man, I forgot who he, he played with the Flyers. He's in the Hall of Fame now. Dang it, I can't think of who it is. Uh, I don't. I just don't look at the stuff. I have it, but I don't look at it. But some of the big stuff that I have, or could have had, I should say, it's like, why didn't I do this when I was going through the ranks, man? I know. Why, dude? I covered. I covered the San Diego Chargers when it was Air Coriel, Dan Fouts, oh. Kellen Winslow. 
James well, Lofton. James Lofton, Charlie Joyner. John Jefferson. Yeah. You know, John Je- I, and, I, and I knew Jefferson well because when I left San Diego and I went, to, went to Milwaukee, Jefferson went to Green Bay. Green Bay. Yeah. Never, he goes, what the heck are you doing here? And <laughs> I, I never got anything from these guys, man. No, never, pictures, you. nothing, dude. I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit a couple other things. So Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL last night, Derek. Yep. This bad boy went to four overtimes, and the Panthers ended up winning this thing three to two uh, in a in a wild, wild one. They took a one nothing lead in the series, but it, this had visions of like that. Speaking of the Penguins, that Flyers Penguins, oh my god, uh, two thousand was it six OTs? Yeah, just Woo! crazy, man. But it, it it felt like it may be going in that direction, but uh, but the Panthers get the get strike first in that series. They're up one zero. You get the Western Conference tonight. Western Conference finals uh between the uh the vegas golden knights and the dallas stars it'll be game one tonight uh in vegas in Dude, vegas remember tonight. back to that penguins flyers game how long it took we were sat there and waited forever to get on the air that night oh my god it was man. brutal it was it really felt like it was never going to end like oh, starving goodness. like uh, nothing's open like it was it was tough man it was it was a long night. wow yeah it was a long night um uh, all right let's hit some birthdays We'll do some birthdays. We'll do some movies. We've got a lot of good stuff here. All right. Uh, for starters, born on this day in 1925, Malcolm X. Yep. Malcolm X, uh, who unfortunately was assassinated, uh, yeah. you know, at the age of, yeah. uh, geez, was he 30, uh, 38? Was, I don't think he was even 40 yet. I don't either. Yeah. Um, when he got assassinated. But uh, certainly, you know, still a, a massive influence to this day, Malcolm X. Um, Andre the Giant. Yep. Was born on this day, 1946. Uh, if you ever, there's a lot of good documentaries on him. Yes. Um, but if you ever get a chance to check out the one on uh, the HBO one, I thought it was so well done. And it just walks you through his life. He had a tough life. He had a really hard life. Yeah, he did. Grew um, up dirt, dirt poor. Dirt yeah. poor. Dirt poor, was taken advantage of by a lot of people, was not a happy guy uh, in yeah. a lot of ways. You know, he was, but, but anyway, nonetheless, it's a pretty fascinating look at his life. The best part of the documentary was to show you the kind of respect he had when the decision makers behind pro wrestling decided that they were passing the baton from Andre the Giant to Hulk Hogan. I remember a clip in an interview where Hulk Hogan actually went to Andre the Giant and said, is it okay if I win this match? Yes. That's how much respect everybody had for Andre the Giant. Yeah, no question. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> Ho Chi Minh, who yep. was the the leaders of the Communist Party, uh, the North Vietnamese, from eighteen ninety, born in eighteen ninety. Um, you know, a lot to dive yeah. into with that one, man. Yeah, the city of Saigon, former city of Saigon, is named after him now. It is. It is. That's yeah. correct. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, born on this day, forty seven yep. years ago. Uh, sad one. Nicole Brown Simpson. Yeah. Um, Born in 1959, uh, of course, uh, her along with Ron Goldman were, were killed. Yeah, um, yeah. And we we know that story. So very sad, very sad. Uh, Sam Smith, the singer, 31 years old. Great oh, my voice. God, does he yes. have a voice? Yeah, he, he is. He's a talented cat, man, that's for sure. Uh, 31 years old. Grace Jones, the former model, actress, and yep. uh, God, she did. All this. She, she was huge, man, in like the 80s yeah, she was. and 70s. And you very unique look to her. 
Oh my goodness. You if she's you like you'd be afraid to, to date her, man. She had that mean she always looks on me like she'd slap you if you sneezed the wrong way. She could stare like 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 right laser through you. Into yes. you right through you if you yeah, with with the with the wrong look, man. You're like, whoa, okay. That was Grace Jones. Joey Ramone, the, the lead singer of the Ramones, yep. born in this day, 1951. Uh the great Pete Townsend uh of the Who, born yep. on this day. Uh he's 78 years old. Archie Manning. Archie, the uh, the leader of the Manning crew, the, the grandson Arch named after him. He was uh, he's 74 today. Bill Lambeer, one of the bad boys, is 66 today. Johns Hopkins, uh, yes. the man who the university was named after, born yes. on this day in, uh, in 1795. Michael Che, who was a part of the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, news desk with Colin Jost, Michael Che. He is uh, 40 today. Uh, that's all I got movies. What else do you have? Woo, all right, let's see what oh, we're running short on time. All right, we got yeah. Dusty Hill, who's the bass player for ZZ Top. Yep. Uh, he was born on this day in 1949. Uh, Eleanor Tomlinson, uh, who played the movie Jack the Giant Slayer 31. Mm-hmm. Rohan Marley, uh, the son of Bob Marley. Uh, he also played football at the University of Miami. You know who his teammates were? He was the, there during some good years, yeah. The Rock, Ray Lewis, and Warren Sapp. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> He was yeah. a linebacker. He was a pretty nasty linebacker. Yeah. He yeah. played with the Ottawa uh, Rough Riders in the CFL. Okay. Uh, Mario Chalmers, former NBA player, 37. Mm-hmm. Phil Rudd, Rudd, the drummer from ACDC, 69. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dick Scobie, uh, who died aboard the uh, Challenger uh, because of a booster fail. Astronaut was born on this day in 1939. Okay. Uh, legendary uh, Christian artist Israel Houghton is 52, winner of four Grammys. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the name Pete Mayhew ring the bell to you? Pete Mayhew. Pete uh, Mayhew. Does that no. ring a bell to you? No. Pete Mayhew is the guy who played Chewbacca in the Star Wars movie series. Oh. He was 7'3. Oh, my God. He was born on this day in 1944. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay. see who else we got real quick here. Uh, Dolph Shays, former great NBA player, 12 time uh, All Star. Won a championship in 1955 with the Syracuse Nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born on this day in 1928. Curly Neal, my favorite, favorite globe trotter, yes. who I got to see three or four times as a kid coming up. My mom and dad would always take us to the Milwaukee Arena uh, to go see the globe trotters. They would always come like New Year's Eve right. to Milwaukee. Right. We got to see him. London Fletcher, former NFL player, 48. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Ford, who played in the uh, movie Harry Met Sally, Black Hawk Down. Uh, son of President Gerald Ford, ah. 67. Uh, great basketball coach Bill Fitch yep. was born on this day in 1932. Mm-hmm. And he's still missing. Jimmy Hoffa <laughs> was born on this day in 1913. Okay. All right. I'll run through movies quick because we, yeah, right. we are short on time. Braveheart, 1995. Mm-hmm. Da Vinci Code, 2006. Die Hard with Vengeance, 1995. Roadhouse, 1989. Star Wars Phantom Menace, 1999. Shrek 2, 2004. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, 2017. Virgin Suicides, 2000. Fahrenheit 451, 2018. Over the Hedge, 2006. Alien Covenant, 2017. All good movies. Did you mention Star Wars Revenge of the Sith? No, I didn't get that one. That one came out in 2005. Okay. And guess what comes out today? Today is Fate? Nope. Oh, what? Fast 10, Fast and the Furious 10 comes yes. out today. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah. Good, good movie day. That's for sure. 
Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, excellent work, my man. Appreciate you as always. Appreciate you, Tone. Thanks, everybody. Hope, in the hope chat. your mom's doing great, Tone. Yeah, keep it up. Keep up the uh, the healing. Uh, everybody in the chat, thank you guys. Appreciate your your participation uh, in the show. Thanks to everybody who streamed, everybody who listened. So don't go anywhere. We get the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. We are back on Monday. So Derek and I will return on Monday. Derek, enjoy the rest of the uh, birthday celebration, my friend. Yes, sir. I sure will. And, and we will talk to you guys then. Have a great right, weekend, man. everybody. And we will see you on Monday. Take care, people. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.